There ain't a podcast that's flyer. You are now tuned in to Direct Misfire. Benson, you and Selick, tell everyone to tune in. Let's roll the dice. Let me show you what we do win. A fantasy war game. Play it smart and you win. What you know about the crystal pen and the retribution? Hero, hero, giants and knights galore. It's an adventure. This is Kings of War. Let's go. What does it mean to be a human of Panathor? To the other races of the world, the answer to this question is as elusive as it is to the humans themselves. In the taverns and bartering houses of Mantica, there is a common saying, a dwarf is a dwarf is a dwarf. Likewise, to describe something as elvish is to endow it with an immediate and widely understood set of characteristics. The mention of man, however, leads to a raised eyebrow, a stroked beard, and yet more questions. To talk of man is at once as meaningless and as meaningful as to talk of love, of gods, or of nature itself. For down to the last all men differ, each swayed by a unique, emotionally conflict heart, forever changeable. Hello champs, and welcome once again to another Direct Misfire Army Review. I am your host, Ben Simon. Joining me today, as always, is Selic. Hey, guys. As well as Hugh. What's up, homies? As we discuss all things Kingdoms of Men. So, pull up a seat, grab a drink, and let's get into it. All right, gents. Manly Kingdoms of Menly Men Men. Yes. The mans. Do we just jump straight to Hero Hero, or what are we doing here? <laughs> I think we've got to save him until later on, surely. Okay. Yeah, he's got to okay. be the last. He, he always has to come last, because that's what he does. Such an interesting hero as well. Yeah. yeah. But if you don't know what we're talking about, wait till the end of the cast, then you will. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Kings of Men. So why are we reviewing these suckers? Why? Yeah, why? Because it's been a while since we've done an, a review and the, the people voted. Yeah, that's one, that's one of the reasons. But yeah, the people did vote. So the winner of the vote by a small margin, because people voted for lots of different armies, was, of course, the Twilight King. And then immediately after the poll was posted... Um, Countercharge decided to do the Twilight Kin. So thanks, Countercharge. <laughs> that, that's fine. I don't mind. So, I mean, head on over to to Countercharge if you want. Yeah, to, definitely. Uh, listen to that one. It was a really good episode. I listened to it myself. So mm. um, instead of having to pretend I know what the hell the Twilight Kin are doing, we went for the uh, second most voted army, which was the Mans. That's right. Kingdoms of Men won that one with thirteen percent mm. of our votes, which is pretty impressive. So. 13, yeah. is it? Yep, 13%. 1-3%. Uh, I don't know. That's not very impressive. Oh. But anyway. <laughs> there are a lot of armies. So. Yes, I suppose. Okay. Kingdoms of Men. They have an army special upgrade called Indomitable Will. And it's basically uh, pop it on your unit. And once a game, during your turn, you can make that unit fearless. And they inspire themselves. Um, and if you if that unit's wavered, you can pop it or burn it to uh, become steady instead. It's pretty good. I would say one of the best. One of the best upgrades. It's, it's not bad, but it's... Um, no, it's I actually it's think good. it doesn't fit the army as well as you'd like to, which we'll get to eventually. But um, at least the way that I've been trying them out, I feel like it doesn't fit in beautifully. It's a little bit like the Ratkin one in that... Well, it's one use, so it's similar to that. But also you... 
you really want it on like big units, big expensive units that you want to protect with that inspiring self or or that you really can't afford to have them waver. But if you're playing Kingdoms of Men in a style where you're putting lots of boots on the ground and that kind of thing, you don't necessarily want to be upgrading your very cheap units to be slightly braver. Mm, I disagree, but anyway. <laughs> there's there's two, I think... two key uses of it though, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. I think it's fantastic for um, making sure that your your little troops that you're sitting in the way don't get hit by um, a few ranged shots and then waver and then holding up the rest of your army. Yeah, that's an interesting way to use it. I was going to say the two major ways of using it would... Because you have to do it in your turn. If you know yeah. you're about to get charged, uh, you know you can whack it on there, especially if you're not inspired already on that unit because then mm-hmm. it will start inspiring itself. Uh, and anticipate that charge and try to sort of hold down the fort. And the other way, which I think I think you'll end up using it this way more often, or at least get more value out of it, not necessarily more often, but when a unit wavers, because um, someone spikes the roll, either with shooting or a lucky charge or whatever, the ability to go back to your turn, you already know it's wavered, so you just pop it off and then wavering gone and you're back in business so that that's yeah. actually the most powerful thing about it in my and opinion. that's exactly how i use it here i use it as a, effectively a point and click fury it's fearless mm. is so good and it's yeah it's quite cheap and fury costs more than that a foot guard horde with 25 attacks sitting there and it's been had a lucky nerve roll and they've wavered him mm. i can then just pull that 10 point item out and just go all right i'm no longer wavered here's another 25 attacks back at you yeah, how much is the Fury item? Is it 15 points? Yeah, 15. 15. Yeah, so if you think of it as like a 10-point Fury item with upside, because obviously the downside is with you can't use Fury fight. multiple times, but I mean, how often does that does that ever happen in a game anyway? Yeah. Like, it's only going to come up once. So it's basically Fury with a little bit of upside at a discount price. So when you think of it that way, it's pretty legit. All right, so let's get on with the actual units themselves. So we'll start off with the infantry, top of the book, the shield wall, the basic boys. So these are speed 5, melee 4, and defense 4, no range attacks. Come in your troop regiment and hordes, uh, the standard unit strength of 1, 3, and 4. The troop, 10 attacks, 9, 11, 65 points. The regiment has 12 attacks, 13, 15 nerve at 100 points, and the horde, 25 attacks, 20, 22 nerve at 165 points. They get no special rules, but you can't give them the indomitable will upgrade. So these guys are one pip lower nerve than a lot of other units of sort of similar um, kind of role, but they're also cheap. So 100 points is the absolute Mm. cheapest that I know of unit that you can get that is unit strength 3 because regiments that are less than 100 are generally unit strength 2 and 100 or more are unit strength 3. So they're bang on that 100 mark. Yep, the Mm. cheapest unlock as well. Yeah, good point. One pip higher in nerve for the um, rubbish equivalents, so like goblins, which are also uh, defense for and attacks and whatnot, they're usually 19, 21, so yeah, pretty average. Yeah, they're, I suppose they're that in-between mark, aren't they? Because like a dwarf or something will be your 14, 16 on a regiment, and um, mm. your ratkin or goblin will be 12, 14, so they mm-hmm. just fit in the middle there, 13, 15. Yeah, I yeah. think... The only way to look at the shield wall is if you need a cheap unlock and you're not expecting too much from them. And they also make great um, chaff, I find, the, the troop with the Indominal Will for 75 points for a, a fearless little speed bump there. Um, it's hard to get cheaper than their, that to be more reliable. Fearless uh, 11. Are, sorry? Fearless 11. Yeah, Fearless 11. What did I say? No, well, you just said Fearless, but I was just emphasizing that Fearless oh, okay. 11 is, is, is not good. 
Phyllis Eleven's good. 75 points, so you can't ask for that much. But um, yep. yeah, I wouldn't be choosing that chaff option if I was if it was me. But Well, I do, and it's good. Go for it. Okay, <laughs> when we get to Militia, you'll change your mind, but sure. No, nah, I won't, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay, cool. So what's coming up next? Pole arms block. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pole arms infantry block are a bit of a different beast. They're five speed, four plus melee, three plus defense. Come in a regiment or a horde only, so no troops of those dudes. Uh, units rank three and four respectively. 12 attacks on the regiment, 25 on the horde. 13, 15 nerve on the regiment for 105 points. 20, 22 nerve on the horde for 175. So much the same stat line wise uh, as the shield wall, but they've also got crushing strength one. And they've got uh, the indomitable will option as well. So it's almost like exchanging the shield for two-handed weapon. That's yeah, exactly. exactly it. it almost doesn't need to be a separate unit, doesn't it? In a way, but I, guess I guess you just can't take a troop. You can't take a troop, yeah, um, for for whatever reason. I don't know if that's a balancing thing, a decision that's mm. been made. But uh, yeah, I really rate these guys. I think they're excellent. Um, going down from defense four to three for a crushing strength one is broadly speaking worth it, in my opinion. They're only, they're only five points more than the... Well, five points more in the regiment, ten points more in the horde than the uh, mm. than the equivalent. So, the, you know, you do pay a extra cost, but it's a very small extra cost. And I do think it's worth it. It makes them a lot more of a threat just in general. And a mm. lot of the times you find that the things that will come in and kill you when you defense four will kill you just as easily anyway, at defense yeah. three. It's really only small arms fire and things like that, like many attacks with no crushing that the defense three, that you really feel the defense three. And that, depending on your area, I suppose, but I feel like that's not really the meta, like heaps of archers or heaps of uh, berserker kind of infantry and things like that are not necessarily the meta. But against like a a monster or a, a war machine or any myriad of other things, they're exactly as tough as the shield wall, but they also can just punch back quite a bit harder. Yeah. The biggest change between second edition and third edition is that there's no longer the troop. I know that the troop size used to be the go-to for chaff as they were crushing one. They were cheap. Still a handy unit, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Um, In both sizes? Yeah, I think in both sizes. Yep. Both sizes are good. Yeah. I'm a little bit on the fence with the hordes. Um, I just think that you can get better options in the hordes, but um, we can discuss those later. And I think they're the best horde in the book. So are the best yeah, horde in the, in the uh, I think they're pretty good in the list. Yes. Yeah, I so. think the regiments just doesn't have the nerve or the amount of attacks with reliable hitting power to be too much of a threat. I mean, it's only 105 points. Yeah. Um, I'd probably uh, want to give Indomitable Will. I think the regiment's sure. good for cheap unlocks. When you're saying that the cheapest unlock is the shield wall at 100 points, absolutely correct. I'd rather pay 5 points more and have a unit that actually threatens a frank in a bit more yeah. of a meaningful way and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Although, if you're sitting on the backfield objective for for those points, I actually think there's better options, so we'll get on to that later. But yep. I think if you want a regiment that unlocks but also moves up and like threatens to some small degree, take the pole arms over the shield wall. All right, well, next up, we've got the Spear Phalanx. Now, they're a, an infantry unit here as well, so speed 5, melee 4+, plus, no range, defense 4. They come in regiments and hordes as well, unit strength 3 and 4, respectively. Attacks... Uh, for the regiment is 15 and 30 for the horde and the nerve is 13 15 and 20 22 and the points 120 and 200 
Now they come with a couple of really juicy options. So the, the special rule across the board is Phalanx. Uh, they do come also with the Indomitable Will for 10 points, and they can exchange those short spiky spears for long pikey pikes, and they get ensnare for uh, 20 points for the regiment and 30 points for the horde. I love these guys with uh, ensnare and the pikes. In what size? In the horde. I tried them actually out in the regiment uh, last week, Mm. um, just without Indomitable Will, but with the pikes and ensnare, and they do a, a job there as well, so... Uh, for 140 points, you can get a, a unit that's pretty much shuts down all cav, um, which is pretty impressive. Absolutely, yeah. They, I think they're good in both. I was a, I'm still a proponent to a degree for like the cheap regiments of spears. Um, a lot of people, it's not really their flavour, but I think they're great. Um, they're because their footprint's quite small. They're really nice at guarding a flank where you tend to see spears. While as your horde, um, you could also put the horde on the flank. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, they're really good center holder within snare, aren't they? As in a mm. horde, because just like at that point, it doesn't really matter what you are. If you're a, heaven forbid you're a large cavalry or a flyer or something, you're just basically stuffed. You're not going to do anything meaningful or charging them in the front. But even if you're not, just straight up in snare defense four uh, and twenty twenty two nerve will hold against almost anything. Um, and yep. more often than not, two units of almost anything. You know, unless it's like two units of whites or something like you know, uber, uber destructive, they'll just hold no matter what, which is really yep. reliable. So what I found in my sort of test games that I played with is that the regiments, nobody seemed to charge them. They weren't really a threat, so nobody felt that they had to kill them. But at the same time, it wasn't an easy kill, so nobody did. And it comes to turn five and six, and everyone then starts to really focus on them. Um, but by mm. then, all you have to do is make sure that they're in the front, and it's not a guaranteed kill. Yeah, I could see a unit on a flank without ensnare and with indomitable will as well i think that could be an option not sure if it's the best one but for 130 points at that point you've got a unit that hopefully self-inspires on the important turn um and can be quite independent of the rest of your army and just put your opponent in a position where when they're trying to get around that flank with you with their regiment of knights um or that two regiments of knights or whatever anyway especially if you can sneakily hide them in the forest or something then um they're kind of stuck. Like you can't just ignore them and move past them because then they'll flank you and annoy you. And you can't uh, really go into them either with any kind of ability to take them off in one turn. Oh, definitely not. Not with uh, Phalanx. If in that scenario where you've got the Knights, they're going to be at neg two to hit No Thunderous. Yeah. Oh, if they had Ensnare, yeah. Mm. Yeah, or even if they don't have Ensnare and you can manage to hinder them or something because for some crazy mm. reason they don't have the Potion of the Caterpillar. You know, the the uh, what's his name? Macquarie's taken the day off and just like closed his stall for the day, and for for once, knights actually suffer from some sort of terrain penalty. If in that event, then um, yeah, they're even more in trouble. Obviously, yeah. All right, let's move on to the next infantry unit, the foot guard. So these are the more elite manly men's. Uh, speed five is the same as everyone else, but they're melee three, the first melee three unit, no ranged and defense five. So Best melee, best defense so far. Troops, regiments, and hordes on this one. Uh, your troops, um, unit strength 110 attacks, 10, 12 nerve at 90 points. Regiments, the unit strength 3, 12 attacks, which is standard, 14, 16 nerve at 135. And the horde is the unit strength 4, 25 attack, 21, 23 nerve at 225 points. No special rules with these, so they're just flat, mm -hmm. but you can give them indomitable will or exchange their. 
weapon uh, their shields for um, bigger weapons, lowering their defense to four and giving them crushing one, mm-hmm. and that's free, which I think is a great choice. Yep, same. Hitting on threes, crushing one. Yeah, defense five is awesome, but yeah, I'd be I'd be tempted to get that crush one as well. If you've got a bunch of attacks on threes, you want to make them actually do something when they connect. Yep. Um, Give them brutal strength or bane chant, and then you've got a serious threat. Yeah, although if you've got Bane Champ floating about, I, w- I would not fault you for taking Brew of Strength and leaving them at Defense 5. Um, that way yep. you've got a very tough, especially if you've got a Horde, you get a very tough Horde that's still hitting back very hard, um, especially when they're Bane Chanted. But uh, they're also tough as nails at that point. Mm. And I've used it like that, and I've found they've, they've worked really well, keeping them Defense 5 with the uh, Strength and possible um, Bane Champ. Yeah, I've actually played this unit a lot. Uh, with the hordes and I take the extra crushing one strength I give them either vicious or elite just to make sure that I can guarantee some more hits and then I bane chan them for the extra crushing mm-hmm. and so at, the, at that point you've got an elite melee three plus unit with crushing strength two in our meta um, there's a lot of defense five and a lot of defense six mm-hmm. and I think what I've always found is that I struggle at taking off those those bigger units so this unit here is Really, really handy to make quick works of the stone columns, etc. And I tend to not take them because they're too expensive. So there you go. It's a <laughs> different uh, preference for different people. You can hear Selick, the elf player. He likes his like <laughs> phalanx, uh, <laughs> phalanx mans with all the upgrades and foot guard mans with all the upgrades. And I'm like, polearm block, man. Just get heaps of polearms. <laughs> Don't give them indomitable <laughs> will and just go nuts. <laughs> um, I also found, I've used it once, putting Brew of Sharpness on them, on the Horde. Um, and lowering their defense so they got CS built in. Uh, mm. So that's a 25 attack hitting on twos with crushing one uh, is very effective. Yeah, yeah massive conversions. Be. And because of the, the higher nerve with Indomitable Will, <laughs> it's, just, it's hard to take off. Yeah, even against a you know defense four unit or something like that, you're looking at mm. a good um, like approaching 20 damage mm. uh, twos to hit. That's That's crazy. And then when you've got a mage sitting about with the ability to bane chan as well, mm-hmm. just in case you hit something harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, good nutcracker, that fella. Yeah, it's a, it's a great unit. I tend to only use it in the hordes. Um, I'm not sure about the regiments and the troops, just given that at the troop level, it's probably still going to die just as easy as the other ones. But um, yeah, just it's more expensive. So in yeah. this list, you can really get good value for your points. Yeah, they're basic. Look, let's let's. Be Horde seems a sweet spot. They're, they're just shock troops with uh, <laughs> with less attacks and better to hit roll. So they're basically shock troops. <laughs> yeah, shock troops are good. So take them. Mm. <laughs> All right, do you want to tell us about the Militia Mob? The Militia Mob are pretty right on. They're uh, speed five bros with five plus melee and defense three, so they're um, total potatoes. They uh, come in a regiment, horde, or legion. Uh, unit strength two, three, and four, respectively. 12 attacks, 25, and 30. Um, 11, 14 nerve on the regiment for your 70 points. 18 and 21 nerve on the horde for 115 and 24 slash 27 on the Legion uh, for 170 points. So cheap, cheap, cheap. They're crapola, of course, as you'd expect for their price point. Um, But I honestly think that um, all of these sizes are kind of reasonable. I I don't think I'd take a Legion very often, despite their obscene nerve of 24, 27, um, just because they're an enormous footprint. 
And 170 points, like... Poof. It's 50, Yeah, it's 55 points more just for a nerve bump. Yeah, pretty I mean, much. Sure, five extra attacks, but... Black, 30 black attacks, who, who cares when you're hitting on fives? Like, yeah, that's that's not a meaningful change, you're right. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot... It's six extra nerve, though. That's that's a, that's a lot of... It's yeah. a lot of nerve. Um, but for me, Regiment, this is one of your... What, what I find interesting about Kingdoms of Men, as I was talking to Selick about this before the cast, actually... That I like that they have quite a few different chaff options and they're all kind of different depending on the army and how you want to fit it in. They don't just have like mm-hmm. an obvious choice like gargoyles. They're just like, oh, we've got gargoyles, so we'll just take two gargoyles. You know, mm-hmm. they've got sort of five different units that can fill that kind of chaff role and it depends on your play style and your army style that might want to take them. So yeah, it depends on your army style as to which one you choose. And this one is... Probably my favourite, although, again, I'm a bit torn between a few, but the Regiment, 70 points, unit strength 2, 11, 14, nerve. Unlike your 75-point troop of shield wall pelicans with indomitable <laughs> will, um, if you roll that 11 on the nerve, they're just wavered. And who cares if they're wavered? They've got three extra I nerves. care that they're wavered. When I've got a Regiment holding up my entire army because it's a bigger footprint, it's harder to get around them, uh, Defence 3 and that larger waiver gap um it's much more likely to ruin my plans yeah i don't think there's so much move forward chaff they're um stand on the stand on the objective at the back and let your opponents move up you can move them forward of course and they can get in the way sometimes but with only speed five and no way of um reliably getting in the way uh and i'd just rather have them sit around and possibly take two units to take off just because um the sorry two turns to take off just because of that 14 nerve it's enough to to not be easily removed in one turn by a flying character or such like so they can and f- hold for that, that backline role, objective reliably yeah that works well but um then it's not really chaff because that you're not throwing them away yeah i don't mind the regiment uh as well hugh that they're my one of my go-to chaff units because out of all of the chaff units and the chaff options that we discuss 70 points <laughs> 11, 14, uh, and unit strength 2, and that's the critical bit. So when they slowly come up behind everything, they're a low-priority unit because they can't punch, but mm-hmm. uh, unit strength 2, really good for objectives. Yeah, I think of all the chaff units that are defensible, um, you've got you know your militia mob regiment, your shield wall troop, fanatics troop, which we'll get to, and archer troop, which we'll get to. And I think it depends on how much shooting your opponent has. If you expect mm. them to take that sort of anti-chaff light shooting a fair bit then I think that the militia mob, you can't go past just because of the really high nerve for the points. Like, 14 nerve for 70 points is crazy. Like, it's so high. <laughs> it really is for that for that amount mm. of points. And yeah, they'll waver every now and again, but who cares? It depends on exactly what they're doing. If they're in the way of your army, I agree. That that sucks that they waver. Um, mm. In which case, you'll feel like a real goose with your shield wall with indomitable will when you give them fearless and then they... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At least they'll get away with it. You've nailed it on the head there, Hugh. Uh, so when I've used these units as chaff, you have to say oh, the good objective is for them to hold. And when they can hold or waver, it's the counter charge from something else that's going to do the damage. Definitely not this unit with its mm-hmm. uh, melee five plus just waving like fish everywhere. But um, yeah, at eleven fourteen, assume they're going to waver. And if they break, then that that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's it. And then you're like, oh, boohoo, 70 points. So I think you need to compare them in a way, even though they're a completely different unit, to Fanatics. Which are next. So they are Speed 5, Melee 3, No Range, Defense 3. They come in troops, regiments, and hordes. Unit Strength 1, 3, and 4. 
attacks 12, 15, and 30. Uh, they're fearless, so their nerves are dash 11, dash 15, and dash 22. The points are at 95, 145, and 240. They come with two special rules. The first is crushing strength 1 and wild charge D3. What do we think? Great. Troops are much better than regiments. I haven't really tried the horde because I'd rather have the um, foot guard as a horde with the uh, crushing strength than a fanatic, just because of that defense bump. Yeah, I think the when you when you look at the foot guard horde with the defense bump, uh, sorry, with the crushing one and defense four, I should say, that's two hundred and twenty-five on the horde, and the fanatics are two forty. Uh, for 21, 23 nerve versus dash 22. Um, but then, yeah, defense four instead of three definitely matters against small arms fire and stuff. Uh, mm. The reason the Fanatics are a bit more expensive is they do have those 30 attacks and wild charge. So they're more aggro, they're more offensive. And I think that comes down to how... This, this again, similar to the Militia Mob and the Foot Guard, it depends how much shooting your opponent is going to take. If it's not much shooting, if you're playing undead all the time or something, then maybe you just take Fanatics instead of... Foot guard, maybe, because you, you're never getting much range damage against you, so the defense isn't hurting you as much. You're playing a lot of like high crushing and that kind of thing. Just take the extra attacks and the extra threat range to try to you know, out, outpace their, their infantry and get the charge most of the time. On the other hand, if you're playing heaps of elves, then you should be taking the foot guard because they're going to outpace you anyway in many instances, and the foot guard can hold up against a bit of small arms fire mm. a bit better. I don't think the wild charge is as effective on the horde just because it's harder to maneuver around, which which is why I prefer the troops. Uh, it's a little small unit that can do a lot of damage and is quite zippy because of the small footprint. Yeah, so the fanatic troops are one of my favorite chaff units in this list. Yeah, uh, purely I think it's the best. Yeah, purely because they're a unit that can't be ignored. So they've got twelve attacks, hitting on threes. So that means that on a defense five unit, they're they're knocking down, knocking, knocking, knocking. They're knocking down. <laughs> Hell, I'm going to go with it. They're knocking down with uh, four wounds a turn. Um, it's but, a kingdom of men thing. It's a, you you guys wouldn't know, but uh, what I love about them is you have to deal with them, or you're taking that four wounds. They've mm-hmm. got that D three wild charge, which means that you can't predict exactly how long they can charge. Like all of that yeah. uh, Russian eleven standoffs. to thirteen's pretty good range for yep. a troop. And because you can't ignore it, if it gets in your flank, that's like 24 attacks hitting on threes with uh, crushing strength one. Yeah. And that, that all of a sudden is like something to fear. Even so, the four wounds you're purporting there, that's charging a defense five unit in the front. Yeah, like, that's like right. If, if, you, if you're lower defense, obviously you're getting up to five, six wounds. Um, and that's, that's crazy for a troop, even at 95 points. Yeah, really a nice offensive output and that extra projected threat on your uh, infantry line, if you've got sort of an infantry walk-it-forward kind of army, is mm. pretty right on. However, again, uh, I know I keep I'm probably starting to sound a bit like I'm harping onto it now, but if, if your opponent takes a bit of small arms fire, if your opponent plays armies like I do that are proper mixed arms, fun-to-play kind of armies that aren't just all sort of one particular cookie-cutter kind of space... Uh, and they've got like a smattering shooting about the place. A militia mob for 25 points less that takes sort of four wounds from like a little bit of shooting here and there, which seems pretty mm. reasonable. Uh, you roll a seven on the nerve, the average roll, and they're wavered. Yeah, bummer. But on the Fanatics, they're dead. And they cost you 25 more points. Same defense of three. Very easy to just pop a few wounds on them. You're right, you can't ignore them. But when you don't ignore them, they're dead. 
Yeah, but also in that example, your militia mob probably won't get shot because they're sitting in the back, so they're probably going to get cover as well. The fanatics are going to be up front because they're doing things. Well, yeah, they could be, but but also if you're sitting in the back getting an objective, then they're doing their job anyway at that price point. Yeah. But but uh, if you are moving them up, like even in the scenario where you've got a line of infantry blokes and they're all moving up together, whether whether you've got that militia mob standing in that same spot or the fanatics, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, they waver easily, but then the fanatics die easily. So, Yeah, I think very different roles. So you've got your militia mobs that are moving up or staying still with its unit strength two to occupy the objectives. Okay, and I think that that nerve for the points is just exceptional. Mm-hmm. I think the fanatics in the troops are really about, all right, I'm going to get in your face. You have to deal with me or else I'm going to put down those four wounds, as I mentioned, into your defense five. And then you're going to have to counter charge me. And it's that really making sure that you get the right charge. That's what their job is. Mm-hmm. So I think very different. You would never put your militia mob slowly coming up in the middle of the board to try and mm. get in the way because they will waver because of their uh, high nerve. And they're so slow because no, there's no wild charge. You have to get quite close if you want to do anything with them. Yeah, you can... Poquena los dos, like why not use both, man? Like uh, they both have a cool little role in the army. And the other thing you can use these kinds of units for, so I see this a lot with Morax and uh, Morax troops and your uh, uh, half-elf troops as well, is that you can have them sort of floating around behind your main line as you move them up. And then they can sort of reach out surprisingly far sometimes with that D3 extra charge uh, if you can get line of sight on a larger unit and combo charge things, this is sort of if you're playing an army that's got a bit of shooting. Say you're playing um, a few different regiments of archers or things like that, and uh, long rifles in a troop or what have you. Maybe a, reg- a war machine or two. Popping them behind your troops to protect them a bit can be useful, and then hopefully they can charge at the same time in many instances, and they can protect against uh, units like dragons. So if you've got dragons mm. flying behind your army um, and you're a sort of fairly offensive Kingdoms of Men army that doesn't have a whole heap of war machines to try to shoot at them or things like that. Um, this little troop is, is not a bad option because they can threaten even dragons. Like, as you say, they're, they're four wounds or eight wounds in the flank of a dragon. You can't mm. afford to land a dragon behind them if you've got a little troop of fanatics on an angle behind their army. You just, you, you, you've almost removed the option of that dragon landing behind your lines. Mm. Yep. Um, one thing that we forgot to mention is that the militia mob are an irregular unit, so their regiments or any size are not unlocking things. But um, you shouldn't have a problem unlocking with the rest of the choices in the list. Yeah, that's, that's a very correct. good point. It really um, it makes their regiment and horde significantly less attractive, though, if you're looking for your unlocks. Mm. Okay, so let's get on to the ranged infantry. Uh, there's only a couple of choices here. So we got the Bowmen, <laughs> they are speed 5, melee 5, ranged 5, defense 3, come in troop, regiment and hordes, um, standard unit strength there, hordes unit strength 3, because ranged uh, regiments unit strength 2, troops are unit strength 1, 8 attacks, 9, 11 nerve, 75 points, regiments 10 attacks, 13, 15 nerve at 100, and the hordes 20 attacks at 20, 22 nerve for 175, and they've just got 24 inch bows, and that's all they're equipped with. Yeah, I think forget about the Horde. Um, it's a bit of a waste of time, in my opinion. Only unit strength three. 25s to hit attacks with no crushing at 24 is not particularly Yeah, no piercing. Useful. However, if you've got that backline regiment um, troop that we were saying the militia regiment is a good option for, and you've got a spare 30 points going from 
70 to 100. They're the same defensively. Or actually, I lie. They're slightly better. They're uh, 13, 15. They won't waver as easily. Yeah. But they um, can crack out a handful of shots every turn. And that's really useful, having the backline um, objective holder that also cracks out a few shots. And likewise, the troop is another really handy little chaff piece because they can also hold an objective at the back and crack out a few shots at a very cheap price point. But um, if your opponent has shooting and they sort of, you know, send something in their general direction, then they're going to die just as easily as the fanatics. So, yeah. What I found is the Bowman Troop are an excellent choice um, for just sitting there holding an objective, holding a section of the board, holding whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not sending them forward at all. And yes, they might get taken off in one or two rounds of lightning bolt but they're never getting hit because you have fanatics and other small troops which are much more threatening mm-hmm. so these guys just get they fly under the radar so well um they've only got eight attacks hitting on fives but they're still going to do one or two wounds uh, a turn and they're probably surviving to the end because they're they're not being threatened at all because they're not threatening mm-hmm. and at that the end of the game when things have lots of wounds on them and are more likely to get taken off with one or two wounds from a range shot, this is where they they excel. Absolutely agree. Kingdoms of Mans have quite a lot of relatively cheap units, so they tend to be very threat-dense. And for Mm -hmm. that reason, you're absolutely right. It's unlikely that your opponent is going to have enough resources to sling a few shots the way of the cheapest chips bowman. Unless, of course, that objective that they're holding is really critical to their plans, in which case, goodbye the Bowman. But then in that instance, you're, you're right. A lot of the time, they'll just as easily take off a regiment of militia or something. So it sort of depends on what your opponent's got to a degree. But you might think eight shots at five plus to hit, crushing nothing, will never kill anything. And to a degree, that's correct. On its own, it won't. But what it will do is yeah. very, very often, it will do, like the vast majority of the time you shoot them, it'll do A damage which is enough to cause that nerve roll. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's all you need, especially after you've double won the unit or just put a heap of damage on them or something and they haven't fled. And then you just mm. go, oh, well, just ping one damage on them and take it off. And if you do that once in every other game with a troop of bowmen, you're thinking this is the best 75 points I ever spent at that point. Yeah, like a troop of fanatics goes into a regiment, does seven or eight damage, they get countercharged, maybe die. Um, and so that's regiment that the fanatics are damaged are sitting there and they need what uh, six or seven to roll to take them off so you'd take the bowman troop aim at them maybe get one or two damage and now you you need a four or five yeah that's it or even the cheeky like they've got a unit of gargoyles you do one or two damage with your bowman they're unhurt yeah and then you just spike one good nerve roll and off they go you know and you're like when i mean it doesn't happen every time they fire but when it does happen even if it's like one in ten times they fire You've spent such a small investment on that unit, so they're fantastic. Mm. And if you manage to get them on a hill, even better, because uh, they hit in combat just as well as they shoot. So if you can, towards the end of the game, and they're getting a bit close, you charge them off the hill, you, now you're getting thunderous charge. <laughs> and much more likely to do two or three points of damage instead. But why not spend very slightly more and take a crossbow block, who are speed five, melee five, range five, defense three, same dealio there. Um, in a troop, regiment, or horde, unit strength 1, 2, and 3. So that one lower unit strength that we're used to seeing at this point for uh, mm. shooting units. Um, their attacks are 8, 10, and 20, which is the same as the archers. 
9, 11, 13, 15, 20, and 22 on the nerves, respectively, which again is the same as the archers. 85 points, 115, and 200. So it's quite a significant leap. It's 10 points more than the archers on a troop, 15 more on the regiment, and 25 more on the horde. And what do they have? Pierce one and pot shot. So crossbows are 24, same as archers, but they have also have pierce one, basically. You can also give them rifles instead, which gives them piercing two, 10, 15, or 25 points for the horde. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the pot shot is the difference here uh, because towards the end of the game, you need to be able to turn and shoot something. And if you've got pot shot, then there's no chance of hitting. Well, I guess there is, but it's there's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd see it totally differently, Benson. So... The difference between what you guys were just discussing and while I was nice and quiet back here um, (laughs) is troops coming in with the bowmen. So they've got eight attacks with no piercing at all. I know once again, Math Hammer doesn't work, but that's less than one uh, as a percentage as a wound against defense five. And I think if you go the crossbow block in the troops with the upgrade, yeah, you're paying what an extra 20 points more. Um, so it goes to 95 points, mm-hmm. but you are putting out, I think it's two, two wounds almost uh, with the ability to spike either way naturally. Um, and I think that's a more reliable unit. It certainly is, but now you've just increased their threat and their um, the target on their head has just increased dramatically. That's true. I, th- I think both are, both are valid. If, if I've got, my opponent's got a little troop there that is reliably putting out points of damage then that's that's something that i'm aiming with um lightning bolt or fireball or just a cheap flying character with a bowman which has a potential to do not very much at all that threat is not there and that's the point keeping them alive to the end so they're doing that job yeah it it depends on your points i think as well right like this is the kind of units that you add it toward the end of your army i don't think that either is invalid uh even the crossbows the in between the two as opposed to the handguns versus bows um it's like, what points have you got left at the end of your army when you've got those last sort of few slots? If you've got a mm. unit of bowmen floating about and you've got 10 points spare, um, probably making them a crossbow is troop as opposed to a uh, bowman troop or the crossbows to the handguns is likely to be better than putting 10 points worth of magic items on something else because it is mm. a reasonable little reward for that low investment. I agree with you there, Selick. But uh, yeah, it's sort of you're talking about a very cheap chaff unit as well and you're trying to keep them as cheap as possible. 20 points is like 30, almost 30% of their cost increase. It is quite a large bump when you're talking about such a cheap unit as well. Yeah, mm. so I'm just looking at it purely on my experiences playing and high defense is what you struggle with in this list. Mm-hmm. And in your scenario, Benson, you are 100% correct. They are a pretty tasty target for a lightning bolt that can potentially knock them out, right? But I guess depending upon how you build your list and how you want to play, that's not always a negative thing. If they're using lightning bolts against a crossbow block, they're not using it against your fast characters on Pegasus. Pegasi? Pegasus. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I think that's where you've sort of got to have a look at it because if they're targeting that that tiny unit that's got ability to create a threat, then that's okay. Um, but what mm-hmm. I've found is they generally don't, so, and they sit there until turn five as well. So what does pot shot do again? Is that that's just always hit on sixes? If... No, no. So when you move, it's neg two. So instead of neg one, it's neg two. 
So instead of uh, going to sixes, you go to sevens, which is yeah, half your attacks on sixes. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, okay. So they can't rotate and shoot as as effectively as the bows, basically. Yeah. Um, but then if you're rotating, if you're at negative anything, because w- what we're doing, which is a bit of a fallacy, and I think this is probably an important thing to bring up with it when it's talking about these kinds of shooting units, is that when you mm-hmm. range five, which of course most of them are, you have to expect to be hitting on sixes a lot of the time. So a bit of yeah. the math that we've just given out um, from Selick and I, yeah. Uh, it kind of falls over a bit when you go to hitting on sixes, especially with eight attacks, where on average you get one hit, but a lot of the time you'll get zero hits. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, minus one is very frequently going to be the case, whether it's stealthy, cover, they've moved, whatever mm. the, whatever the reason is. So for that reason, you shouldn't be expecting to hit on fives all the time. And I actually think that detracts a little bit from the handgunner troop, because if you're paying 95 points for something that, just, you, you know, you're against Night Stalkers or there's a lot of terrain or you find you have to move to an objective or whatever the reason is, you're just not hitting, like, really ever in a game, then you've spent 20 points for no reason at that point, so. Yeah, deployment yeah. is 100% critical for this. Mm, mm. Turns yep. So just making sure that you've got the uh, right table side and the right sort of firing range, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And if, if you have to move to an objective... If it's like midfield or something and you have to move up there with your troop, which I've done with a few troops of Bowman a couple of times, being able to crack out a few shots on sixes is, is okay. But I mean, yep. handguns or crossbows are shooting four shots on a six on a troop if you actually move. Yeah. If you're playing the points to upgrade, so you're sitting at around the 100 point mark, now you should just be looking at mounted scouts, which we'll get into shortly. Maybe, yes, although, they, again, they do have a completely different role, don't they? Because that's like a forward chaff unit versus a rear guard kind of unit. Yeah, but you can use them in the same capacity. I mean, the, the range is slightly shorter, but they're steady aim and um, have the ability to move. True, true. No, I've just got one more thing, and then I'll shut up about Math Hammer. But if you are <laughs> shooting at sixes with eight attacks, with no crushings, or no uh, piercing. piercing, it's exactly the same as half attacks with piercing two. If you're shooting, what, Defense 5? Yep, yeah, Defense 5. Not everything's Defense 5, though, and the things you're shooting at with a with, mm. a, with a bow is not are not usually Defense 5. You're shooting, like, mm. you know, gargoyles and Four other threes, bowmen yeah. and nonsense like that a lot. Well, naturally, that that's going to scale on both sides. So, But it's just, just as a hypothetical um, mm-hmm. to throw it out there for the listeners. Right on. Yeah, just listen to me. It's all right. Okay, so <laughs> have a break, and when we come back, we'll discuss the things on four legs. With the High Council of Primavantor dead and much of the land laid waste, the shock of the inundation after the war with winter was the final blow to the tottering republic. The remnants of it broke up into warring statelets and much was forgotten. Beyond Basilea, dozens of independent city-states now rule small kingdoms all over the peninsula of Primavantia, known as the successor kingdoms and to the north and west of the Dragon's Teeth Mountains, known as the Young Kingdoms. Perhaps the greatest of all the successor kingdoms is Valentica, which occupies the entirety of the lands bearing the same name. The city of Valentica itself sits on the edge of Lake Haromir, at the source of the mighty river Valen, which meanders its way south to empty into the endless sea at the great estuary of Amphotia. Great docks line the water's edge, with piers and jetties thrusting out welcoming arms for traders to load and unload their exotic wares. 
And welcome back. Alright guys, we're going to be taking on the cavalry next. Uh, they've got three options, and the first is going to be the knights. So they've got speed 8, melee 3, no ranged, defense 5, they come in troops, regiment, and a massive horde, unit strength 1, 3, and 4, attacks 8, 16, and 32, nerve 11, 13, 14, 16, and 21, 23, the points 125, 195, and 330. Special mm. rules, headstrong, uh, great rule, and thunderous charge 2. And these guys can also take the indomitable will for 10 points at mm -hmm. height 3. Yeah, good stuff. All right, so what do we think about each of these sizes? I've played them all. Um, they're a pretty handy unit. I played the troops. They were actually surprisingly good. Well, a little bit more expensive. They are more of a... A flanking unit. Uh, regiments probably my go-to, even though um, they are pretty expensive compared to the rest of the list for what you get. Um, the horde, man, it cops a punch, and it's hard to take off. But I just think for three hundred and thirty points, twenty-one, twenty-three, three hundred and fifty um, points, three hundred. No, 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 they have yeah, the potion of the caterpillar bolted on. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at 350 points, um, I just found them to be actually a weirdly fragile um, in the after the initial charge, they just get ganged up on pretty quickly because it's a massive threat. Yeah, that's uh, the, when you're paying that much for a hammer unit, and there's very few in King's War that are that expensive. That's like up there with the most expensive yeah. units possible. Top, is, top tier price point. Yeah, if, especially when you've got such a whopping footprint. Once you hit something and take it off, it's going to be less points than you, so you've killed it, and then you're likely to get countercharged by like multiple units because you're such a large footprint, and no matter how you rotate... You know, the reality on the board can sometimes be a bit different to how it looks in paper. And I, mm. I agree with you, Salek. I think the Horde is cool and it can be effective, especially since probably the whole rest of your army like revolves around getting that Horde to work, I suspect. You know, like yeah. you kind of need it to. If you just chuck it in an army list, uh, you'll find it, it more often than not goes into one thing, hopefully kills it. Heaven forbid you fluff the dice and like roll double ones or something, but... Uh, then, then they're even more potato. But yeah, if you if you do go through a unit, then you're probably you're probably uh, going to get creamed afterwards. Yeah, the yep. horde size is definitely the highest skill cap unit to use. So if you're not very confident, don't take it. You're just wasting points there. So stick with a regiment or two. Mm -hmm. um, much easier to work with. I like the horde, but you do need to kind of set it up to protect it and engineer the correct charge or charges towards the end of the game. Uh, definitely don't fang this thing out in the first two turns because they'll just get taken out, they'll be um, disordered, and then they're just flailing with 32 attacks. Yeah, you'll hit whatever mm -hmm. coming back, but it's much more likely that uh, you're going to get countercharged by two or three units and they're gone. That's right. Also, um, if you lose your Thunderous for okay. whatever reason, 32 attacks on threes, uh, no, it's still, it's still nasty-ish, but it's especially if they've dice, got a decent yeah. defense... You, you might not hit as hard as you expect. They're not going to just continue to kick goals in persistent rounds of combat necessarily. Yeah. They'll only do a handful of wounds as opposed to a bucket load. Yeah, as opposed to an amount which puts any unit in the game on double ones, which is what they yeah. do on the charge, uh, what they should do anyway, with even reasonably sensible rolls. I mean, Math Hammer aside, when you've got 32 attacks, yeah. that's just so much mud at a wall on the threes that yeah. you should be doing okay. But, um, Unless play newbie. 
Unless you're playing UV. Uh, <laughs> when the dice sometimes <laughs> just do silly things to you. Yeah, no, the 21 ones, what? I rate the regiment. I don't really rate the troop. Uh, um, the horde can be good, but for reasons described, not, not necessarily so hot. The main reason I don't rate the troop that much is just that for 125 points, there's quite a few other troops in the list, some of which we've already covered and some we're about to. That, um, yeah, it's a bit of a weird like, spot, that one. Yeah, they just feel like yeah. they fit that role a little bit better at less points. So, like, the Thunderous 2 is that they so heavily rely on is a really big deal. Like, don't... For new players out there, like, if you are if you play players that are quite competent or you will you intend to or you... Whatever, like, you anticipate playing players that aren't total pelicans in the future, which is probably all of us, just mm. forget about taking regiments of these guys without either the caterpillar or the the boots of striding jesse's boots jesse's yeah boots. Yep. like just and make sure put it on every a, time make sure you've got a mounted wizard with bane chant and the um conjuring staff to <laughs> make sure that when these guys do get disordered at least they're they've got some sort of defense penetrating ability yeah like you, you imagine it in your head like you're going to charge in on the flank you're going to kill a thing you're going to rotate you get to charge again or whatever and you need to get that thunderous a lot of the time the reality is especially if you don't ignore the terrain if you don't ignore terrain you'll just about never get your like you'll be thunderous one and you're just such a weaker unit at that point forced to hit thunderous one is not impressive for the price point you're paying for them so yep. you need to get you need to be ignoring that terrain and then even once you are, you've got to expect that sometimes, especially on the regiment, you're going to get hit with something faster than you or you're going to get, uh, you're going to fluff the charge and have to fight a subsequent we'll round of up. combat or whatever. And that, once that thunderous goes, these guys just kind of feel like they have, you know, swords made out of foam. They're just sort of not mm. doing that that well. Yeah. Benson, you've sort of stolen my thunder there a little bit. Um, the, the You've been <laughs> disordered. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Oh no, kings of war jokes. Yeah. But uh, the necessity, particularly if you are taking the horde, I think that flying wizard on uh, Pegasus with uh, Bane Chant is almost the mandatory. Indomitable will every time, you reckon? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's ten points. It's interesting that the indomitable will doesn't scale for the size of the unit. Yeah, that's a good point. So three thirty or three fifty because got a build version. Yeah. Um, ten points. It's. In for a penny, in for a pound. I don't think makes the, it fearless. Yeah. The, yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't think the army-wide rules ever do scale for um, sizes. I could be wrong. One special rule, though, that they do have headstrong is massive. Um, so on a three-up, they can ignore waivers um, and just become disordered, I think. so. Yeah, they're like borderline fearless at that point, aren't they? Because you've got indomitable will to just ignore a waiver straight up if you want to. And uh, headstrong in that turn that you get wavered and... You already used your indomitable will or something. Like, are you gonna are you gonna make that roll rather than just use indomitable will? Maybe you've already used. Yeah, it. you just you want to guarantee it. You don't want to risk it. I, I wouldn't be risking it. the three plus. That's yeah. right. If I hadn't popped it yet, but maybe I've moved mm. them up turn one and popped indomitable indomitable will. <laughs> maybe I've popped that chisel right away just to make sure that they're inspired and don't get taken off because they're key to my battle plan or something, and then yeah. they get wavered. If, I could see that if happening. they are f- have um, decided to fling out front and are not inspired, you're, you're popping it <laughs> just in yeah. case. I find it's a good uh, second layer. So after you have used the indomitable will on that first charge. Mm. and or the second charge or the counter charge or whatever and then it's late turn five you've taken a few wounds somebody rolls that waiver 
um, just having that headstrong there is bloody handy. It's still butt clenching when yeah. you have to roll oh, it. Oh yeah, and, and without a doubt, I roll it too. But uh, yeah, that's all right. They're more or less fearless, <laughs> I mean, except for if you sell it on turn five. But yeah. yeah, I mean, just put the cat. I prefer caterpillar to boots of striding personally, but it's sort of a flavor feel. Whatever you prefer. It's just so you can at the double through terrain when you can't do that with J boots. That's right. I like yep. to be able to do that, and it's also that like sometimes you do charge with the J boots and then find that you're still in terrain at a later turn and need to charge again. Now mm. one use, so for for five extra points, I'm um, I'm on those ones. So then you've got a 225 point regiment, which is on the high side, but it is really quite a reliable, useful threat at that point. And that's how I'd take them. I just forget about them the rest of the time. Some people love like multiple regiments of them, just having a mad horde of knights. But yeah, two regiments I think is effective. Um, it gives you more things to uh, charge at, and if you're, they're both charging at the one target, then it's the same as a horde. Uh, but you do pay a bit more for having two regiments. But then you've got two units that are also unlocking and at six unit strength as opposed to four. So Yeah, for, for your chargey, punchy units, that's that's a good move. It's either that or a bunch of monsters, I think, if you want things that actually kill things in this list uh, at, a, at a reasonable charge distance. Yes. Um, one last thing before we move on is that the Horde is such a large footprint. You can actually claim quite often uh, two objective tokens or loot tokens at the same time towards the end of the game because they're usually 12 inches apart and the horde is very long and because you've got that little bit extra because you have to be within three inches of an objective they can claim two spots so i found that with the goblin fleabag rider horde um towards the end just moving sitting down or if you've got a loot token you can kind of drop it move and then pick up another thing and keep the other one so that's just a very niche sort of tactic there, but you can just keep that in mind that they can also claim multiple things at once. Probably even more niche for these guys, just because if you've got if your horde of knights is still alive on turn five or six, then you've probably won anyway. Right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I I think the best way to use them is to make sure you don't charge anything within the first three turns. You want to make sure that you're setting up the right charge and taking out their big thing. Mm. If you're ha- fanging them out forward, it's yeah. Yeah, that's not a good, good piece of yeah. advice. They're gonna sure. get cooked. Yeah. Yep. Okay, let's move on. How about we go to their chaffy brothers, the Mounted Sergeants. So these are a Speed 9 Cavalry units, melee 4, no range defense 4. Troop and regiments only, uh, unit strength 1, 7 attacks, 10, 12, 100 points for the troop. And the regiments, unit strength 3, 14 attacks, 13, 15 nerve at 150 points. These guys are nimble and thunderous charge 1 only. Troops are excellent chaff for your knights, because mm. they keep up more so uh, you can sit them behind the the horde if you want fang them out a turn before the charge mm-hmm. just to make sure nothing charges the knights i don't know about the regiment i mean hitting on fours it's only thunderous one i found these guys to sort of fluff their attacks because of the melee four there's quite a few armies that have that this type of unit there's um in the regiment size you've got 150 points for Fast speed. These are nine. human flea bags, basically. They're human flea bags, or um, or <laughs> poor uh, bastards. <laughs> yeah, or the the rats riding rats, or there's a number of other units that are. Similar. I'm sure they're very noble. We're just calling mm-hmm. them flea bags. Yeah, flea bags. <laughs> Thunderous one and fours to hit. Um, Bensom, you know that if any terrain is involved at all, they turn. They like are not a threat, even on the f- no. even on a flank yeah. with 28 attacks. If you're hitting on fives, hitting and on no fives and no defense thunderous, piece. forget yeah. about it. So they. 
I actually think a regiment with a potion of the caterpillar can be pretty cool. They are nimble. They can march into a forest that way. They can go at the double in a forest, rotate, and then still be a really nasty threat. And that particular move, which I talked about when we did the Ratkin um, uh, review, can be tasty and unexpected for people. Um, because because they've got that nimble, that makes it's a lot better at 170 points than the equivalent on a mm. regiment of knights. Yes, they're less uh, threatening on the charge or whatever, but they are that significant amount more maneuverable. That new, and you can just pull off some jank shit with those nimble charges. Um, yeah, listen to the episode of Selick interviewing uh, Brenton Williams if you want to listen on to YouTube. It. Yeah, on YouTube if you want to if on the uh, Direct Misfire YouTube channel. Definitely check that We've out. We've got one. <laughs> We've had one for a while. Yeah. It's been set it up. We've had one for a while. Don't release uh, um, content on it that often at the mo- uh, in the past, but Selick's been stepping up the game there. If you guys haven't checked that out yet, it's a bit of a tangent, but man, it's pretty rad. Like all those, you know, sweet mm. uh, pictures and animations and stuff you've been doing, Selick. Yay. But yeah, good job. If you haven't fallen in <laughs> love with Nimble after watching that, Try hey, try a mounted sergeant unit. I'm starting to like them. I'm talking myself into it. Take a regiment of these dudes and see what like sneaky tricks you can pull off. I personally prefer troops. Um, regiments just don't cut the mustard. The troops are pretty much one of your only defenses against flyers. They don't quite get the speed, but most of the flyers are setting up to shut down your knights. Mm. And your mounted sergeants, particularly with that nimble, they can sort of get out of the line of sight with their massive move nine and then use the pivot. And then after that, they can start to shut down. But they're only going to get like one or two wounds you generally. You only need the one if you shut them but down. But that's it. That is exactly it. That's where I don't quite like the regiments. I think I sort of sit with yourself, Benson, there. The 150 points, it's not really their purpose. There's probably still only going to get two to three wounds max. I just, I'm just going to clarify for any new people to Kings of War what we mean by shutting down. Because if you run into a flyer, do a damage, then that flyer loses fly and nimble, and they can't escape and kind of do the sneaky tactics and fly around and ruin your day. Mm-hmm. So that's what we mean when we say shutting down. Yeah, we don't yeah. stop yeah. them from doing anything. Them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or, or against a unit with a lot of thunderous or something, or a shooting unit or whatever, um, getting them that disorder on them can shut them down mm. in, in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the last question I have about these guys is: if they're all sergeants, where are their privates? Uh, between oh. their legs. R- really? <laughs> Usually, um, I don't know about um, maybe there's some inbreeding and they've got them somewhere else, but <laughs> yeah. Maybe the mounted scouts are the privates. I don't know. I think the mounted scouts are better than sergeants. Yeah, it's well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you got uh, another speed nine movement for range five defense three unit. So you lose a defense versus the sergeants, but of course mm. you get that uh, ranged weapon. Um, it's unit strength one and two. So the regiment doesn't get that unit strength three if that matters uh, to you for whatever reason. Otherwise, the rest of the stats are the same. It's just like five points more for the regiment. That's, That's it. it, exactly. Mm. Still seven and 14 shots in this case uh, or attacks in combat. So you lose your thunderous, but then you get short bows, which is 18 inches, and you get steady aim as well. So nimble and steady aim, like, yeah, those shots are not exactly the most potent things in the world, but you certainly have all the tools to get those shots in the right target, I guess, move up to nine, then have a pivot and then shoot at uh, full capacity. And in fact, if you give them an upgrade, which they've got to give you a short pose, uh, turn it into black powder weapons. So they don't even say what kind of black powder weapons. I guess you can just give it's them various blunderbuss, yeah, pistols, blunderbuss, <laughs> uh, rifle, whatever you feel like, a musket, whatever. Uh, mm. They're still 18 inches, but they've got pierce one and they retain their steady aim. So unlike the 
black powder on foot, which, you know, you move, then you basically just don't hit anything. These guys can move, you know, quite far and then still crack out a, you know, a, a nice little volley, which is cool. And I think that's the way to go, uh, paying that little extra to make sure that um, you're actually doing some wounds, which is their role here. So unlike the bowmen and crossbowmen where you're kind of hoping that they don't get hit and just putting on one or two damage, these guys can reliably put out a decent amount of wounds as the regiment if they've got the um, black powder weapons. Mm. And I found when I've been playing them, taking two regiments of these, so giving you 28 shots... On fives, yes, but yeah, piercing one. Uh, you can usually take off a unit every one or two turns. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a lot of points, but it is pretty pretty nasty. 180 mm. points for that unit um, that, you know, if you get shot back or charged by anything, you're in pretty deep trouble. But they are only defense three after all, but 180 points. They are yeah. also speed nine and nimble and yeah. <laughs> sitting around the knights. So your opponent's thinking, all right, do I charge the mounted scouts? Or which I would think no, because that you're hiding them well, mm. or charge the knights to try and disorder them. But then your sergeants are also trying to shut down any flyers. So there's a big cauldron of choice there. Yeah. Um, mm. And I find the mounted scouts are just they're just low on the priority list and have this nimble speed to get away from anything threatening as well. Maybe they shouldn't be yes. so low on the priority list though. When you've got fourteen uh, Pierce one attacks, that that's actually mm. fairly nasty. It's one of those kind of in between like. Not nothing, not not super powerful. That you just plink away, don't you? you just add they mm. add up that damage over time. And eight inch range is not super far. Like definitely, they have a bit of a weakness against flying monsters and that kind of thing. Yeah, because they're yeah. a bit outranged by them, and they um, can you know get put in a bit of a rock or a hard place situation. If your opponent just puts a dragon twenty uh, nineteen inches away from them, and you're like, well, do I move up and shoot them? Do I move try to move back? Whatever. But still. I actually kind of really like that unit too. Like they're very expensive, but they do seem like they could really dominate other chaff, destroy other chaff, and then like just help you win that mobility war. Mm. If you dedicate enough points to it, like you like you're talking about, Benson, like the two unit, two reg of knights and two reg of these guys with handguns. That That's a lot good. of points on horses, but yeah, it it's is, quite yeah, effective. It is a hell of a lot of points, but that is, uh, yeah, that is going to win that that kind of flank war against uh, most armies i would think mm. totally agree with everything you've said um they're a really handy unit particularly the move and shoot um with speed nine is terrific mm-hmm. um the biggest downfall and hugh you've already called it out is that they are so vulnerable to flyers because their short bows or their black powder weapons are only 18 inches um they're mm. always getting into range of a flyer or other people shooting at 24 mm. inches and with defense three, um, even if you don't have piercing on your opposition, um, all of a sudden that 13, 15 nerve for 180 points, I think it is, yeah. um, all of a sudden becomes really, really dangerous, I guess, to, or risky. Um, so you have to use them very cautiously. Yeah, you just got to be clever with your positioning. You do. Uh, most of Kingdoms of Men have uh, reasonably low on the defense side of things and... Uh, not necessarily the fastest cats in the world, notwithstanding mounted scouts. So you do have a bit of vulnerability to flyers overall in this list. So I think it is really worthwhile taking a few units that um, you can use to try to hit back against the flyers or at least limit their uh, their ability to just run wild. And just uh, diverting back to that um, Sneaky Tactics YouTube video, give that a watch and 
hopefully that'll give you some idea of how to protect these guys from flies. So next up we bounce into, so we finish off the cavalry and we jump into chariots. So they've only got one option here and that's the charioteers. They are irregular, but they are speed 9, melee 4+, range 5+, defense 4+. They come in troops, regiments, hordes and legions Ooh. with unit strength 1, 2, 3, 4. I love that. <laughs> uh, the attacks that come in at... Oh yeah. Uh, 8, 12, 16, and 20. The nerves, 11, 13, 13, 15, 15, 17, and 19, 21. The points, 125, 155, 195, and 225. All of the fives. Special rules, I've got a couple. Uh, Thunderous Charge 2, and they also have the short bows. Uh, the attacks, however, don't mirror the attacks on the profile. So the attacks... For the troops is four, the regiments is six, the hordes is eight, and the legion is ten. Basically half their melee attacks. That's right. And uh, they also have steady aim. It's a very satisfying unit to read, just because all the numbers are kind of sort of even, apart from mm. like the, the unit size and the points sort of slightly. The one, two, three, four, and then the attacks is jumping up four each time, and the nerves is jumping up two, two. To, to, mm. Yeah, you can, you can definitely see the, <laughs> of the equation there. That just the fact that you've got a troop, regiment, horde, and legion, it's amazingly versatile unit that has sort of all these different sizes and things. But mm. what I think is a real bummer about these chariots is that they've been made irregular. And I think they're irregular because they shoot and like they feel very much like they've been plugged into It's a very meager shooting ability. It I don't is, think it, it's worth turning them irregular for that. Definitely agree. I think they should not be irregular, and I think you'd see them a lot more if they were uh, regular, if they did unlock, because they can fulfill like a similar role to the knights, and that little peppering of extra shooting attacks is really just icing on the cake. It's not... Yeah. Because like, they're, they're weaker than the knights in a number of ways. Like They don't hit on a 3-plus is the biggest one. Um, and Thunderous 2 with their, depending on their size of unit, you take potentially really large footprint um, means that, again, you're competing for those items to stop them from uh, losing mm. their Thunderous every time you bloody charge anything. Uh, yeah, short bows, yeah. meh. You can't upgrade them to pistols or anything. Um, I don't and know. Fewer attacks in the regiment of uh, mounted scouts. I mean, I think the only sort of thing to consider here is if you were thinking about taking a troop of knights, Perhaps consider taking the troop of chariots because you've got the same amount of attacks, same amount of points. These guys get four shooting attacks, I mean you're not hitting anything, but maybe. Mm, but the speed goes up to nine, and it's on a square mm. footprint instead of a weird oblong. So um, if they do survive something, they can kind of uh, back up, pivot 90, and fang off nine and get away where it's you can't really do that with knights. Yeah, the troop is interesting. Um, I, I've really seriously considered in the um, army list that I took when I was uh, playing Kingdom Men recently, um, really considered that last sort of flex slot in the army where I wasn't sure what I wanted for my last unit. I'm looking at mm. this unit and going, oh yeah, the regiment looks kind of interesting. Like, what about the horde? You know, it's quite difficult to decide, I find, but they just, they're too sort of wishy-washy. They suffer from that same thing that so many other units do where if you're trying to be a you know generalist and master of nothing then in almost every size here including the troop you're like well you got a troop of these guys do you want a troop of mounted sergeants or scouts instead mm -hmm. probably yeah. in a regiment or a horde kind of size do you want to take the knights instead even even a legion if you want to take a legion of chariots for whatever reason for 225 points like you know 
That's it's yeah. It's only about it's as good as the regiment the of knights. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. still only Just twenty. It's a much bigger base size. Why does a legion of chariots only have twenty attacks? I feel like they should have more for such a enormous yeah, like twenty-five or something. Yeah, and especially when you look at it on the table, when you get two ranks of chariots, you feel like that would have more oomph. Like, kick it up to crushing three. Then, if you take if a legion mm. option was a thing, yeah, it feels like this unit has been plugged into the equation of like. You know, this is what a third edition unit should be. This is what the points cost is for, for these various sizes should be, et cetera, et cetera. But it just doesn't quite fit in the army list because there's. it feels like there's kind of, strictly speaking, better options in almost every yeah. slot. And if it was not irregular, I could see you just wanting, for the sake of variety, if nothing else, because it's not mm. really that much worse. Instead of taking two regiments of knights, you take a regiment of these guys and a regiment of knights or horde of these guys and a regiment of knights or whatever. I would absolutely do that if, you know, they weren't irregular. But if I need that unlock, and I think you'll find that mm. you really do want a lot of unlocks, even though they're relatively easy to come by in, Kings of War, in um, Kingdoms of Men, yeah, Kingdoms of Men, you yeah. want a lot of unlocks for this army as we'll get to later on. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the troop, the knights have got you covered there. The regiment, the mounted sergeant regiment is cheaper and does the same thing. They just you miss out on the shots. But then the mounted sergeants are bloody nimble. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the horde and legion, you just take the horde of knights instead. Yeah, the lack of nimble, it hurts. Yeah, regiment, yeah. It's, it's a weird, nah, thanks. Pass. I don't think I've ever seen chariots on the board. Nah, not, not since uh, second edition sort of mm. finished up and third edition came in. And then I think they got a little bit of a nerf. So they used to have nimble. And they never used to have um, a ranged attack value. They used to mirror the attacks on the profile. Mm. And then they also got made irregular. And so I think getting three sort of bumps on the head just makes them almost unplayable at the moment. Like, without taking a very suboptimal list. Yeah, they're so close to playable, though. Like You won't lose that much by it putting one unit in your army but if you're basing your army around chariots gotta help you but it seems like the kind of unit that um might get a little bit of a spruce up in a future release um no no inside goss on that i don't actually know that if they have (laughs) black powder weapons just giving them that extra piercing keeping everything else the same that starts to make them a bit more attractive because they're they're shooting while you're not having many attacks at least they might be getting through the defense and actually doing something yeah true at the moment they're just nothing Nah, get rid of these guys. Sorry. Yeah. Ba-bow. Ba-bow. All right. What do we got? We Moving into war engines. Ooh. Okay. So the first one we've got here are the Siege Artillery. Speed 5. No melee. Range 5. Defense 4. Um, we're not going to worry about the unit strength on these things because War Machine Center of unit strength. So you get two attacks with this Siege Artillery. 9-11 nerve. And that's for 90 points. They are, the special rules are the artillery strikes. This is a 48 inch ranged blast D3 plus one that ignores cover is also indirect. So you can't shoot at things within 12. Piercing three and reload. So set and forget. Um, I guess they're okay. They don't feel as good as uh, the Abyssal Dwarf Mortars. But then nothing does. I don't think we should <laughs> so, compare every, yeah, we shouldn't compare every war engine to the Abyssal Dwarf. Cheese, no, cheese mortar. I suppose that's a bit extreme, yeah. It, it, we um, all know that it's a little bit under-costed, so com- you should really compare it to other war engines. And in fact, I think we should just read the Ballista at the same time. Like, you got you got to compare them side by side, really, there. I mean, you've also got the cannon, so they're all kind of the same sort of thing. I guess you're right. So should what should is we just the talk to all of them at the same time? Like, yeah, we'll just do that. So I'll just quickly go through the differences. So the Ballista is 
it's got the same range. All the war engines here have the same range. Uh, the ballista is range 4 instead of range 5. It's still 48 inch length. Uh, the blast is only D3, so you don't get the plus 1. Piercing 2, so it's one less than the siege artillery, and uh, it doesn't ignore cover, is not indirect, um, and is reload. So all three have reload as well. Uh, the stats are the same, and it's two attacks, 9-11 nerf, but the points, it's cheaper than a siege artillery. So we've got 15 points less for one less on your blast, so, mm. but the ignore cover isn't there, but they're ranged for, it's sort of, eh. yeah. but then you go to the cannon, so you take your siege artillery, artillery, uh, give it shattering, and the ability for a grape shot, so that's a 12-inch range, 10 attacks, piercing one, and always hits on sixes, so if it, something lands within that um, 12 inch you can shoot it whereas the siege artillery can't and that's for 100 points these just feel like six of one half a dozen of the other in a lot of ways and i, yeah. I feel like um what they've done here which is really cool actually mantic is they've basically given these three different because of course kingdoms of men is is an army line that they don't currently produce and they've mm -hmm. just said well people have um catapults people have ballistas and people have cannons and they they want to feel a little bit different, so let's mm. just put all three in the list. They could have just been like artillery piece, given it the say siege artillery uh, line, and that's it. Like that could have been the only entry. But mm. quite yeah. awesomely, I reckon they've given you a few different options that are slightly different, but effectively it boils down to the same thing. And I think you're going to end up with a cannon most of the time. Just those mm -hmm. few extra points are worth it. Uh, it's a cannon or a ballista for me, actually, because the siege artillery is so in betweeny. Like, I'm going to pay ten points for shattering every day of the week. I think shattering's great. Yep. Only grape shot very rarely. It's a hit on sixes attack, ten attacks at piercing one, um, at a twelve inch range. You might use that every now and again, and it could be kind of hilarious when you take off a you know wounded chaff unit that's got around behind you. But you should, yeah, you should it's only usually something smaller than that flies yep. at it is aiming to, to charge the next turn that you might be able to take yeah. something off with a lucky roll. Yeah, I mean, it's not really necessarily that lucky if you just want to do one wound because hitting on sixes with ten attacks, you're pretty reliably going to hit once. But <laughs> Yeah, but then you need to have a lucky nerve. Yeah, that's it, exactly. We're it, looking at a 10-12 nerve. You, only, you should only expect to do like max one damage for this, really. Like, if you really <laughs> spike the roll and somehow do like three damage, then rock that's on. That's fantastic, yeah. But, you wouldn't yeah. expect to. So... So basically, your your war engine versus your ballista gets an extra hit and an extra pierce, um, but then and then the cannon gets the extra um, shattering on top of that, which is almost as good mm. as an extra damage. So every time, yeah. so the cannon's just that more reliable. Well, as the ballista's cheapest cheapest chips, four plus to hit versus five plus ignore cover is basically the same. I don't think this ballista is great, just because usually in other. Um armies they either have three attacks or some sort of bump to hit like elite or vicious or something mm -hmm. so it's a bit tasteless this is the generic or bland ballista, yeah. yeah well that's the king of the men right they're like yeah they're your bland powder kind of bros that are they're the mans in a world of monsters i think we've kind of lifted hero hero to legendary status by this time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm assuming the rules committee is uh, looking at hero hero to give him some uh, extra bonuses there mm -hmm. probably inspiring most yeah, likely make it a, a unit an extra unit. seven attacks oh, or something yeah. i'm not sure <laughs> but attacks. with the war engines i think you're taking one cannon and something else i mean if you wanted a second cannon don't worry about it just take siege artillery for 10 points less or a ballista just to what just because you yeah, assume you'd be shooting the same unit is that why so, yeah and you can only count yep. shattering once that makes a lot of sense yep. yeah i can see that yeah i like uh, the cannon ballista combo 
Um, I think it's a, a two or zero for the war engines. Take two or take none. I don't know. I, I have always also thought that until recently I've been trying out just one um, war machine in an army every now and again. And what I find is quite interesting about just taking one is it changes your opponent's deployment a lot. It, or it can do anyway. And especially the ballista at only 75 points. If you just chuck a ballista in your army in a similar way to where you might take a 75-point troop of bowmen, for example, you can't claim an objective with that ballista, but it's got such a long range and threat range, it can really muck with your opponent's deployment. And when you think about it that mm. way and just don't really expect it to do anything in the game, like expect it to punch out a wound every now and again, uh, which it will do, by the way, with a, lot, with a fair bit extra reliability over the bowmen. Uh, true. Because of the range four, yeah. it's really not that bad. It's not bad. It's just it, it just feels like a nothing sort of choice. <laughs> the difference is if you take one, it becomes plink damage, doesn't it? It's doing yeah. one two yeah. wounds a turn. Yeah. Uh, where if you take two, all of a sudden it can has the possibility to take off a unit. That's right. Mm. If you're doing um, if you're putting 190 points into it and you're going a cannon and a siege artillery, your opponent kind of either yeah. has to deal with it or has to accept the fact that they're going to lose a unit at some point maybe even two mm. with some good rolling, um, which is pretty mm. scary. So you, they almost need to commit some sort of uh, countermeasure to it, uh, you know, or just be in combat the whole game and give it no targets, which is sometimes an yeah. option depending on the board you're on and all that kind of thing. Well, as if, if, if you get a cheap ballista, I actually think you, if you never take artillery, don't really like them that much, just chuck a random ballista or a random cannon in your army every now and again and just put it at the back of the board. Expect it to do nothing. And just look how much it makes your opponent sweat and think throughout the game. It can be worth just it. Just don't put it behind a hill. Yeah, probably don't put it behind a hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also keep in mind, if you start taking more than two, you start to become that guy. And you don't want to be that guy. Nobody wants to be that That's guy. That's right. Exactly. It's like how none of us have suggested, <laughs> yeah, just take four cannons. Done. Like, no. Nah. Don't do yeah, that. you can take two, 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 and if you've got the unlocks, sure, why not? You don't think it's that effective anyway, but yeah, mm, no. But no one likes being able to do nothing about it and just watching their units get taken off. Because often I find like people are not putting in the uh, war engine hunter anymore. Mm. Yeah, it depends, right? Like it depends on your meta. If you're seeing a lot of war machines, you're going to get so much mileage out of that war machine hunter style unit. Yeah. It's good if you but can even then, like, a... even if they have one war machine hunter, they take two turns to get there. And if you've got six, then they're not getting through all of them. It takes one or two rounds to get through it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But just take two, please. <laughs> yeah. So Hugh, we're on to the monsters, I think. The monsters. Uh, you got a mammoth and a giant. Um, well, the giants are titan, but the the mammoth is your monster unit. Also interesting, just grammatically, yes. here, they say monsters. monsters. There's only one, only one option, so there shouldn't be plural. Same with titans. It should just be titan or monster. It should. Anyway, be. continue. Uh, well, out of the category of monsters, you have only <laughs> one option, which is the mammoth. Um, it is a monster chariot. Interestingly. Uh, does that matter for anything? Just base size. Yeah, so it's um, it was on ho- like a, on the back end of the chariot being pulled by horses, but then mm-hmm. um, I think they they nerfed that, so now it's just by itself. Cool. So it's, <laughs> is it got a larger base than the regular monster in the monster? Yes, chariot? that's, that's it, right. Yeah. It's fifty by hundred now instead of fifty by fifty. Yeah, yeah. So it's a longer uh, base. Uh, speed seven, melee four plus, defense five plus, uh, unit strength one, twelve attacks. 18 nerve, fearless, of course, at 220 points. So they are brutal, crushing two, strider, and thunderous charge two. Very, very reliable um, monster here because 12 attacks is a lot go, for a monster. It's only forced to hit. But Go through the giant as well because these guys are very comparable. Yeah, you're right. They really are. So your giant titan 
is uh, Speed 7, Melee 4+, plus, Defense 5+, plus, so exactly the same there as the Mammoth. Um, they have Unit Strength 1 as well, of course. D6 plus 8 attacks, so spikes somewhere between 9 and 14 attacks. Uh, 18, 20 Nerve, so they can be wavered, but they've got 2 extra Nerve there over mm. the uh, Mammoth, and they're 225 points, and only 5 points more. Brutal, Crushing Strength 4, Fury, and Strider. So even even the 18 Nerve... The eighteen twenty rather, the Is 18, he uh, waiver doesn't matter that much on the giant because he does have fury, so it's only he can only mm. realistically only waivers on shooting. Yep. Um, yeah, they both have brutal. They both have strider. They have a similar number of attacks. They both have Do the you exact want same. To maybe line. get more attacks or less attacks. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so similar. Five points less. Crush four is is the the. Slight difference between the two, really, is the giant slightly better in a grind because he's got slightly higher nerve and he's got crush four rather than the crush two thunderous two that the mammoth has. Which so he loses a little bit of steam, depending on what you're fighting. Of course, if it's defense four mm. or less, it doesn't make a difference. But mm. um, and he's dash eighteen nerves. He's got that slightly uh, lower nerve. So just the the giant slightly better in the grind, and the mammoth is slightly slightly better um, in, as an offensive threat purely because. His base size is a little bit skinnier. So he can fit in between yeah. units a little bit better. But The height's marginal as well. So yep. if we're having a look at the Mammoth, he will get cover from... Uh, from people? F- from people. Um, anything like that. But the Giant won't. Mm-hmm. So like, not that like that's going to come out often. Because that's three difference. Yeah, three difference. The base size is actually pretty huge in this. So having a 100 mils, that's probably only going to be like 25 mil difference. But uh, it does open your flank up a lot more with the Mammoth. And you have to give it more room because if you want it to pivot, you have to factor in like if you've got a couple of units flanking it, mm. they have to leave a bit of a gap because otherwise you can't turn. Yeah, theoretically, the giant is square. The monster base size versus the titan base size should be an advantage, and sometimes it will be because it can obviously multi-charge a little bit more easily because it's a bit skinnier and yep. things like that. But you're right, like especially if it gets wedged between two infantry units or something like that, or cavalry, whatever. Because it's got longer, that wider than it is long. Sorry, longer than it is wide. <laughs> it will have difficulty rotating out, and it can get in its own way a little bit. Yeah. So the Titan size base can actually be an advantage in some cases, especially if you want to do that cheeky yeah um, charge that Selic's uh, been talking about recently on YouTube, whereby you go one inch back and then you can sort of rotate and charge something else. It's a, it can mm. be significantly harder to do that with the um with the uh, mammoth in some situations. So what do we think about, like, obviously the, the giant's probably the go-to here. The giant just seems slightly yeah, better. I think yeah. it looks better on the board as well. Like, your, your all your little small men's and one giant men's, <laughs> two giant <laughs> men's. It depends how cool your mammoth looks, I guess. Mammoths can be pretty yeah, cool. I, I think they're if comparable If you can put a mammoth enough. on a chariot, even better. Take that. Yeah, I think they can be they're comparable enough that I'd rather have one of each if I had two than have two just because I think it's kind of boring to have two giant or two mammoth when you could have one of each. It's just going to be more aesthetically pleasing on the table and a bit more variation, give your opponent more to think about even though it doesn't actually, <laughs> like that. you might as well treat them as an mm. identical unit. It's a bit disappointing that they're so similar. They could have had a few more points of difference, um, but mm, it is what it is. Yeah. It's literally five yeah. points difference. Probably if you're just strictly competitive speaking, Two, two giants is that little bit better because, um, yeah, just that nerve's a little bit higher. Really, that's what mm. it comes down to. Yeah. I think the only thing that I like about the Mammoth over the Giant, and it's probably the only thing, is just that its attack profile is static and it's high. 
Yeah, it's you know slightly more reliable on the <laughs> yeah. offense, as I said. It's, it's a bit yeah. more back of the box. You you know what you're getting. That's it. Yeah. Um, the issue I have is I've made a lot of lists, and the issue I have, and I keep getting to the last thing, and I look at the giant and the mammoth, and then I look at the points, and then I look what I can get for the rest of the list for those exact same points. Mm. Um, yeah, they're not cheap. They're not cheap, but there's so many other options that are cheap. So mm. even if you have a look at like a regiment of knights is going to probably put out more wounds than it, um, or you can start to go into some of the hordes are roughly the same price. Like you can get a horde of foot guard there as well. Um, so that's where they always struggle to come into my list, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I think they're pretty awesome. I think you're right when you said that you struggle, the, the list struggles a little bit with high defense. Um, if you do have your cannon and artillery combo happening um, and you've got a bit of ranged against uh, high defense things, then maybe you don't need it as much. But especially if you're not very Otherwise, shooty, they're pretty good can openers. Crush four, man. Like, it's legit. It's better. It's yeah. so much better than Thunderous 2, like when you can, especially since you've got Strider inbuilt. Once you pay your 10 points for Indomitable Will and your 20 points for your Potion of the Caterpillar, it's exactly the same points cost for a regiment of knights versus a giant. And I think they have, mm-hmm. they actually do have a, if they're such different units, they actually do have a fairly similar role. They, You know, they, um, yeah. the knights, you're right, they do hit a little harder because they've got more attacks and obviously they're a little faster. But um, the giant is a lot tougher, tough as nails. Mm. With, yeah. With 18, oh, and the nerve, the nerve. yeah. Mm, for sure. And the height definitely comes in handy. As yeah, well, so the, with the square base, they end up being a different role. The giant's more of a like a, a anchor piece. He'll hold down the center line with your infantry and threaten, give your infantry line a significantly longer threat range with charge seven and uh, strider. While as the knights are more like your flanking unit and that kind of thing. Yeah, just make sure yeah. never to get either the giant or the mammoth into a unit that has ensnare because that's your yeah. Your points are wasted. They're not hitting anything on fives. Very true. With so few attacks. Yeah, that strider is actually so important. Um, monsters that don't, monsters that hit on fours and don't have strider, are really noticeably weaker this edition, I reckon, than those ones that yeah. that do have that strider. It makes them much more reliable. All right, we'll leave that there. What we'll do is go for another break. We can have some listen to more Kingdoms of Men lore, and when we come back, we'll discuss our favourite heroes, the Mans. Whereas once Primo Vanto was a mountain kingdom looking over fertile plains, it is now a peninsula of landmass containing the vast Bay of Geniza. Most of Primo Vanto that was not ruined in the war was drowned under the infant sea. The holy city of Primo Vanto itself survived, although it is greatly shrunk in size. The city is now mostly ruinous, trees fill its wide boulevards, and the inhabited parts are little more than villages, divided by wilderness and crumbling masonry. Okay, and we are here to continue on with the review. Next up, we're delving into the hero section. There seems to be quite a few heroes, so... We'll see how long this takes. So first up is the general. So this is your big boy hero. Uh, speed 5, melee 3, no ranged attack with defense 5. He is 5 attacks, or has 5 attacks, 12-14 nerve, and 85 points. Uh, crushing 1, individual, mighty, and very very inspiring built-in. And you can give him a horse, which takes him to speed 8, 
and that also increases his height to three. And that's 35 points for that horse. It's a very lush horse. Bring mm. him to 120 points mounted. A noble steed, I imagine. Quite the noble steed. It probably has flowing mane of golden locks. So the important bit, of course, very inspiring, is a nine-inch inspire yep. aura, which is pretty right on. Um, which is yeah. really, really good. So you don't need as many inspiring sources when you're very inspiring. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't think this guy is very good. He's not bad either. It's just that when you, as mm. we compare him to some of the other heroes there, he doesn't necessarily have that much of a role, as is so often the case with these kinds of on-foot, generally, in-general kind of characters. They um, they compete with like your army standard bearer for your super cheap inspiring source, but then they obviously mm. have a few attacks and can put out you know reliably one or two damage. But uh, how much is that one or two damage really worth it to you versus just taking the cheap old army standard bearer? Or uh, if you do want the attacks to actually do damage and stuff, then upgrading it to something that flies or whatever is is often the call. It's. Worth note to keep in mind that he's mighty. He's the only mighty individual in this list. Yeah, I don't think that matters that much, but it's a thing. Uh, it matters more if he's on a horse, because then you can yeah. charge out. Because <laughs> otherwise, out you're not, he's not getting in front of things on foot. Yeah, I mean, I guess he could. You've sort of nailed it on the head there, Benson, as well. So I think he's one of two. I think the Fnatic Instigator um, is also mighty, but... If you put him on a oh, on a horse, he goes up to what 115 points or something. Uh, plus 35, so it's 120. 120. So he goes up to 120. So he's an expensive chaff piece at that point mm. that gives you that nine inch bubble. Uh, I I don't think he's terrible on a horse. Mm. Um, as long as you're using him for that purpose, he's going to keep everyone inspired, and then he's going to be killed. Yeah, effectively. Yeah, and he's, he's going to be sacrificed. He's, to the, the blood gods. He's perfectly reasonable supporting, especially if you've got that kind of army. A bit like Benson was describing, where you've got a couple of regiments of knights and a couple of regiments of those. Uh, yeah. Especially if you're spending big points, yeah, on the the mounted um, scouts with heaps of guns and stuff like that. Uh, having him ride around with those blokes and give them inspiring, but also being a, a guy that can charge into something and make sure you chaff it up in a piece. In a pinch, or charging with the as a last resort, yeah. Add an extra damage or two to the knights uh, on the charge as well. He's quite reasonable. Nothing wrong with him. Yeah, the only sort of drawbacks that we get um, from him is that pretty low nerve for a, a general, 12, uh, 14. But it is only 85 points, so he's quite cost effective at that point. Yeah, he's just that in betweeny kind of guy. So um, he'll fit into your list if you're a bit points tight and you need to downgrade a general on pegasus or winged beast to a general on a uh, on a horseback or something like that but uh outside of that probably leave him on the shelf mm. yep um yeah yeah benson i can hear your brain thinking yeah i mean 120 points to sit behind your um mounted contingent is okay and acting as a last resort um, chaff piece, which he can just run through his own units, and then because you don't have to charge, you just got to sit in front because he's mighty. They can't get around him. True. And then mm -hmm. they can't overrun because he's mighty as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The fact that you don't yeah. have to charge—that's a—that is a good point actually. That you can um, move through a unit and chaff it up, which uh, is quite handy when you're an individual. 
Yeah, and then you don't have to worry about trying to manoeuvre right with, like as you would with mounted sergeants. But there's another mini mm. that does that better, which we'll get to in a second. So general on a Pegasus, we also have he's a hero, large cav, speed 10, uh, melee 3 plus, defense 5 plus, 4 attacks on that guy. So he actually loses attack when he gets on a Pegasus for some reason. Uh, you'd think that Pegasus is mighty one hoops. Ho- one hand on the reins. Yeah, well, maybe so, but you think he's, uh, you know... Noble Steed's hooves would uh, add a little bit of punch, but it does the opposite. Uh, 12 and 14 nerves, so same nerve, gains no nerve for it, and 135 points. So really comparing him to the general on Steed makes more sense because he's 15 points Mm. more, and for that you get fly and speed 10, and you actually lose an attack, which is quite weird. He's still um, nimble and very inspiring, so he loses individual as well, of course. But uh, mm-hmm. you make he makes up for that by being nimble, which means that he's slightly more of a f- threat, flank threat and that kind of stuff. But I think overall, on balance, um, being a flyer with nimble and losing individual is actually a good thing because you can, of course, claim objectives late game and stuff, and that that is a very mm-hmm. useful thing to be able to do. Yeah, and uh, impacts to war machines and um, disordering things as well. So. No, it's very good, and the height four is also pretty critical, so mm. you can see over the top of your cav um, yep. and charge over the top. Pretty handy, and doesn't need mighty because he's a, a hero large cav, so he's sort of doing it for himself anyway there. Mm-hmm. very I love this unit, uh, 135 points. It's really, really handy, particularly if you've got a lot of flyers um, to come in, claim objectives, shut down war machines, shut down um, like late game. You can throw him away as well mm. just to protect a unit. Um, for 135 points does it you do have to play a little bit conservatively with him um, because of that nerve that 12 14 nerve um, but still a great unit for me yeah I'd... if you're taking lots of flyers would you not just take like a standard bear on on a horse for like 60 whatever points less 75 points he is so yeah he's yeah 60 points less Maybe if you like, what? What do you mean? For what purpose? I mean, what what is he doing there with the rest of the flies? Because it's only four extra attacks. I mean, I would think a general, a mounted general, who's cheaper and has more attacks, would be better in that regard. Uh, it's the unit strength. So yeah. if you're taking a lot of flies um, on Pegasus or the Winged Beast that we'll discuss in a second, it's all about the unit strength. So being able to have a lot of flies that they just can't shoot because they're dealing with all of your other massive units that are real threats and this guy isn't a real threat to be honest because he's only got four attacks because he's holding the Mm -hmm. reins so turn five turn six that's when they start to look at these guys and they're so hard to catch um in in two turns there's another pegasus option that's also 45 points less with one less attack and lower it's so hard to talk about these units um independently without talking about them in conjunction with i guess we'll just be jumping backwards and forwards Um, that's right yeah let's just let's just keep jumping around are you putting any items on this guy uh, maybe just re-rolls once to hit. Just the like, five pointers. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think if you want a mobile inspiring source, you're really choosing here between your, your mounted general, your general on Pegasus, and your army standard bearer who is mounted. Yeah. So those are sort of your like, uh, cheaper versions of inspiring mobility. But I agree with Selick. If you're going to go for a mounted general... 15 extra points. You'd have to be super tight on points. I could see myself downgrading to the to the general on horse and not being too upset if I was really, really tight for points in my list. But that 15 points for mainly the unit strength is well worth it. Losing one attack just doesn't matter that much. Yeah. I think the only thing that the general on a horsey has over the Pegasusy is 
that individual. So he's he turns out to be a really good blocker. So after try and rephrase this a little bit. So after a flyer flies over the top of your lines, he can pivot on the spot and still get that charge off. Mm. Where the general on a Pegasus is limited by his line of sight. That's true. Yeah, he's better. Um charge better flyer defense and that does matter for kingdoms yep. of men so that's probably very much worth keeping yeah, in mind sure. that's a good point yeah particularly i would be preferring the horse general over the pegasus general if you're taking war machines because things will fly over to try and shut them down interesting point. Um, even just the on foot yeah. general like it, he he's only got speed five but he does limit where they can land at least if he's hovering around the back of your uh, infantry blocks and stuff lurking mm. yep <laughs> Yeah, but oh. there's actually a better option than that. Uh, Who's but, that? The general on wing beast? Yep. No, well, we can we can cover the general on a wing beast now. But I was actually uh, talking about the fanatic instigator. But uh, we'll jump into the general on a wing beast to round off the generals. He is a hero on a monster, so a fifty mil base, uh, speed ten, melee three, no range, defense five. He is also unit strength one with seven attacks because the winged beast that uh, will remain nameless is very chompy. He goes up in nerve, so he's 14, 16, but also goes significantly up in points to 190. Yeah. Sp- uh, special rules, crushing strength two this time. Uh, he's got fly, he's also got nimble and thunderous charge and still maintains that very inspiring. Yeah. Tasty choice. It. Yeah, it's, a, it's a decent flying unit, 190 is... It's not that much. I think it's a fantastic unit. Um, and I for think, a flying threat range. I think yeah. this is one of the larger reasons to go for Kingdoms of Men over other armies. If you're just not, like notwithstanding all the other reasons you choose to play your army because you like the aesthetics of them or whatever else. But um, yeah, the general on winged beast, um, it gives you that reach out and touch threat range. It gives you a really yeah. large inspiring range, and it's just cheap as chips for that kind of a unit. Like. Having a unit that can hang out on flanks and threaten ranged units or threaten flanking other units, because obviously when he f- does flank, even with seven attacks, he's very impactful. Uh, yeah. Thunderous one and crush two is just going to wound everything on twos, really. And he's um, threes to hit as well. So you really just can't afford to be flanked or reared by him. Even though he's not like as good as a dragon charging something in the front, just the fact that if you take two of these dudes and you use them to inspire your flanks instead of those generals on Pegasus or whatever, then your opponent's just in such a difficult spot. Like if you've got one of those on each flank um, just and they just move 20 and pivot, like it's that's such a difficult thing to have to try to maneuver around. And for only 190 mm. points each, it's really not that bad. Because the other thing you can do with them is have two together and then combined they can go through nearly everything and they become a really big threat as well so i think both of those options can be really nice i really like taking two of these guys in your kingdoms of men list yeah because they're just so threatening yeah there's a few lists flying around with three um winged beast generals Ooh, yeah um and doing a very similar thing just trip triple charging things and taking it off um and then using your knights as that sort of back yeah or if you've got list. three i suppose you can have one in the middle holding your line down um, and just sort of advancing behind everything, being able to charge over it. The other two on the flanks. And that way, the one in the middle and either flank could double charge something and threaten that way. Mm. Plus, you're also dealing with these... Yeah, just... just It's such a nightmare trying to manoeuvre your infantry units and trying to get them to pivot in such a way that they haven't got an exposed flank to one of these flyers when they're flapping around the board and have such a long range like that. Yeah, and the increase in nerve up to 14, 16 is huge 
for the winged beast. Yeah, they can be quite hard to shoot off. Uh, I think people see them and think that they're going to go down fairly easily because they see them as a bit of a budget flyer. Or, mm-hmm. But then they don't go down that easily. Or they see them as more like a dragon kind of piece and then you're winning even more because you're getting a, a dragon for like two-thirds the cost of a dragon. Um, That's and right. Yeah, it's uh, can be just as impactful. When, it, when it's not charging, when it's just threatening on the board, it's just as good as a dragon. <laughs> when it's actually fighting in combat, obviously, it's a little weaker. But when it's just flapping about, inspiring your bros... At nine inches, by the way, um, and with extra height, and just threatening people's flanks, it's just as good as a dragon, and it's only 190 points. So, can't speak highly mm. enough of that unit. All right. Um, items. Once again, I think just the rerolls uh, to hit or wound. Yeah, your five point items, nothing wrong with that. You want to sort of keep him cheap yeah. and cheerful because that's why he's so good, is that he's such a big threat for not very many points. But those five point items are very good on him because, you know. He's threes to hit and usually twos to wound on the charge, so he'll he'll most likely get a good use out of that one reroll. But like, you, you should yeah, it's a high percentage of his misses. Yeah, you should think about when you're thinking about whether it's worth giving a unit rerolls or not. Obviously, the number of attacks is a big part of it, but also the likelihood that that reroll will result in a success. If you're hitting on fours or fives and you reroll one die, it it's almost meaningless. Which is why like elite on elf bowman is not much to write home about but mm. when you're re-rolling a die and you, you're doing two plus it's going to result in an additional wound almost every time which is a significant spike in reliability so that that five points if you can if you can sneak it on him it's it's well worth it on either the the mace or the blade i think meat of madness is also something to consider it's cheap yep. enough and it allows you to charge other flyers without being charged back so that gives you uh, wild charge one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Meat of madness is a cheeky one, or the um, even the extra speed, a few extra points, but yeah, twenty two inches is bloody far. Mm. Yeah, keep them reasonably cheap and cheerful. Certainly, don't spend big points on a major magic item for them, um, but they're just yeah, they're so good. They're, they're kind of the whole package, just uh, straight out of the box. Yeah, because of the extra height, they can become war machine targets. Indeed. And they're not individuals, so it's just, and they won't like even the fourteen sixteen will still get knocked out of the sky pretty quick mm. from war machines. Yeah, this is true. And but then on the other hand, they uh, can threaten war machines where, and you don't mind as much as you would with a dragon or something charging a backline war machine with them and then having them all sort of flap about and turn around on turn five to threaten the rear of the army. Um, you're actually quite yeah, happy sure. with that points investment at one ninety if that's the way it's going to go. While there's other units yep. in Kingdoms of Men, there's not a lot of things that you can get that you're actually wanting to threaten war machines with. Because if you're using knights or something for that, that's uh, yeah, that's a significant points investment. Yeah, for sure. Mm. All right, let's move on to the army standard bearer. So this is your flag waver, the cheap and cheerful fella, speed 5, melee 5, no ranged, defensed 4. One attack, 9-11 nerve for 50 points. Individual very inspiring are his special rules, and you can give him a horse, which is not as noble as the general because it's only 25 points. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, the usual loot of darkness on this guy. Yeah, he's yep. a good musician uh, like most standard bearers for some reason. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the loot on this guy, particularly in this army, um, Banechant is huge. Um, so many different attacks coming in, particularly if uh, you're running the foot guard. Mm. Uh, hitting on threes with an extra crushing strength is great and having this guy just chilling behind him that's his whole job yeah just don't get him charged keep him alive and 
He'll keep most things alive. Army standards mm-hmm. are like big, heavy things, right? Big old poles. It's almost like a, the mast of a ship, obviously skinnier than a mast, but like it's a big old flag that you're holding up, very heavy and unwieldy. I assume that's why they've won attack at melee five most of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, um, so how does one play a loot whilst holding that past it in the air at the same time? It's built into the pole. Oh, I see. That's right. right. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So he's, he's, when he's holding the, the uh, flag up, that's his fret fret hand um so all he has to do is strum with the other one i see i know i thought it was pretty simple i don't know what you're talking yeah. about <laughs> but the, and obviously they'd be hard to see why don't they get stealthy or something since it's so insatiably dark around all these these standard bearers how do you even see the standard no it's just like metal music like they just they title their albums of death and violence and mm-hmm. whatnot but it's not really it's just ballads and shit yeah right on it's just... i mean ballads and stuff <laughs> you should always model your army standard bearer if possible in like a you know with long metal hairdo and uh, yeah yeah maybe just maybe he doesn't even have a standard you know like maybe that's just a, a misnomer of a name he's actually just holding his you know He's holding his metal horns in the air while he like just strums away at his guitar. And <laughs> his arms are firing about him, you know. <laughs> gets everyone frothing. Mm. But other than that, I'm not giving him anything else. And to the point. Yeah, like I mean, in second edition, you might have given him the the breath attack, the dragon breath attack. Mm. But now that that's been nerfed down to eight for thirty points, I think off the top of my head, doesn't have the same value. I yeah, don't I think, think the shooting, mm. the various shooting magic items like the grenades and stuff as well would have a bit more of a appeal if it wasn't for the fact that the loot exists just because uh, yeah. having you know a bane chant on a character is just a really useful thing um, mm-hmm. and you're almost certainly going to have a whole bunch of man standing around nearby him that could really use a boost to their crushing strengths to make them more effective like it's just going to happen yeah his whole job is to inspire nine inch bubbles and to stay alive and to give things bane chant that is his exactly job. Yep. and ultimately for 75 points 10 points less than your general on foot Yes, he can't fight, but having that Bane Chant is often worth more wounds in a combat, especially since you're probably Bane Chanting a Horde. It's likely to be worth yep. more damage than the General's attacks would be. So mm-hmm. you can't chaff something yep, up sure. like a General can, but for generally, generally, <laughs> uh, for 10 points less, uh, I'd rather the, the Standard Bearer. You. Yep, agreed. Okay, easy done. Let's move on. All right, Hugh, you've got the most epically named character the most well known of you do you remember when we had Kyle on the show and he was telling us about how um, in third edition they've actually changed a lot of those more generic names and given things like more interesting names and stuff <laughs> why did he lie to <laughs> us straight up lied <laughs> we were asking him about like ratkin units and things and that like threw him for a loop a little bit uh, it's hilarious I was, he was just trying to uh, do the right thing and sell the, uh, yeah. sell the units <laughs> do right by because magic. I'm sure a lot of um, the mantic units have cooler names I don't I don't really know how many of them do but certainly, certainly not in the old uh, armies of Panathor here because we have Hero um, so, hero, you'd think what? which which do you think's more? What ins- what's more inspiring to you, Benson, a general <laughs> or a hero? Specifically speaking, the general is less inspiring than a hero. You would have thought a hero is like the epitome of inspiration. Exactly, like that's 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 literally like it's built into the name of hero, right? That you're an inspiring kind of character. Uh, Anyone can be a general if they're promoted. Yeah, <laughs> you can't just be promoted to a hero. Yeah, it, it's. This is ridiculous. Really, like, I suppose it's uh, the misnaming of the the power inspiring, really, isn't it? Because it's more like uh, yep. inspiring is is more like you you can imagine your general giving out orders and being like hold the line or whatever else, while well as the 
the hero just not even of... that these generals are very inspiring and this one is not even normal inspiring i know it's a disgrace so he's crushing one as an individual he is not even self-inspiring completely uninspiring he doesn't even inspire himself i know to fight the, the, uh, the evil baddies and be heroic um, he's been in the army too long he's just he doesn't give it he doesn't give it he, he doesn't care anymore yeah Maybe that's yeah. the caveat, guys. That's what we're totally missing here. He's a hero, and he wasn't a great fighter 25 years mm. ago, but now he's 65. Yeah. He's only got three attacks. His back's starting to he's go. He's retired hero. That's why his nerves that's are That's why 10, we're maxing 15. out on heroes and heroes on Pegasi, because <laughs> we want <laughs> an army of grumbling old veterans. Because he is melee three, uh, so he still knows what he's doing. Oh, he's got experience. He still knows what he's doing, yep. but yeah, he's getting a bit feeble. He's only three attacks. He's still got crushing one. He's got like a bit of strength in his wiry old bones. But uh, nerve 10, 12, yeah, he's a bit shell-shocked. Bit, bit, bit uh, scared from all the... PSG. You know, he's seen, he's seen some <laughs> shit, man. Like this hero, he's, uh, he's been through a lot. Um, and obviously he rolled better in his youth, I presume, to PTS, actually kill yeah. something, which he would presumably have to have done to become a hero. But uh, in any case, you can give him indomitable will for five points if you really feel like it. Cheap one, yep. It, um, mm. I mean, he's 40-point character, if we didn't cover that. He's <laughs> less than the army bearer. <laughs> he's the cheapest. He's such a potato. Oh, uh, maybe this guy doesn't wear very good he's, clothes either. He's not mighty. Yeah, he's been drinking for years. He's not even a mighty yeah, hero. He's, he's a really, no. He really is a feeble old man. And you've got to compare him to the hero on Pegasus, which is... Um, you know, slightly more heroic place upgrade. to be. Uh, gives him fly and nimble, of course, speed 10. Uh, same number of attacks. So he doesn't lose an attack. He, he can ride a Pegasus without holding the reins, unlike this this young whippersnapper. The in general. The That's right. He, he knows how to, like, you know, hold it astride with his thighs, his mighty heroic thighs. <laughs> and he can ride around for 90 points, so more than double the cost of himself on foot. But that's because the Pegasus is better than he is, let's be honest. That's it. Yep, 50 points for the Pegasus. Five points if you really want to give him Indomitable Will, which actually is not... His Pegasus costs more than he does. It's actually valuable. valuable, (laughs) Yeah, because you don't want him to waver at just the wrong moment when you really need him to be able to chaff something up. And so, funnily, we've been through... We've been talking quite a bit about what the good chaff units are in this army. For some reason, it's come up again and again. I guess because there's so many cool options in Kingdoms of Men for it, and they don't have gargoyles, so they don't have anything that just makes them all redundant. But... This guy is actually the best chaff unit in the army. Correct. A heroic guy yep. on a Pegasus. He can do what Selick was talking about doing with the general before by hiding behind your dudes, flying straight over them with his helpful height three. Even, um, oh wait, his height, height four, four, sorry. So he can see over yep. cavalry, which I always thought was a little bit weird because I thought Pegasus would be about the same height as a cavalry. I don't know. I think they yeah, kind of like hovering. a hover. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, well, not oh, hovering. They're just okay. flapping in place. That makes more sense. Because yeah. they can also charge over hills. I've been caught by this, actually, and it um, did significant damage to my prospects in that particular game when I was charged by a... Oh, no. Th- this was particularly bollocks, actually, because it was a um, nature Pegasus, which is height for even though it's got no one riding it, which annoys me. Because <laughs> it's literally the height of a horse. It should be shorter than a knight, but I guess you're right. Maybe it was hovering. Anyway, they can charge over hills, so keep that in mind when you're trying to k- approach with your big nasty unit. And then they just charge straight over a hill at you with the, with his with his feeble three attacks and sort of give someone a bonk on the noggin and then uh, yeah they can't go through him uh, or they can go through him but that would take a little time to mop up the old boy. I'm surprised yep. they didn't give Hero like a lame Pegasus which was like speed eight. Just yeah the old old donkey or something. But no, they speed give him a, a magnificent steed, fitting for a general. 
So what's the? But then they they expect him to sacrifice himself by throwing him in throwing himself in the way of uh, oncoming knights and whatnot. Indeed, the hero on foot. Hmm. What's the use of him? Forty points, no inspiration. You could give him the inspiring no talisman, idea. in which case he costs what fifteen points more, more than, than the than army standard bearer. Or twenty. Yeah. For two extra two attacks. attacks, a nerve, um, threes to hit defense. instead of five, a defense, a crushing. But it's only normal inspiring, not very. Yeah, which is the same as the... Oh, no, the Army Standard Bear is very inspiring as well. Because <laughs> he's such a metal lead singer. Um, you do actually get quite a bit for that 15 points when you talk it out. Your defense, your melee, etc. But that doesn't actually really mean anything, does it? Because he's not mighty. If he charges something with his with his feeble old bones, you're guaranteed to miss all three attacks or whatever. Yes, his threes to hit with crushing one. It's reasonable for him to do one wound and therefore disorder the unit and prevent it from charging through him. But what will always happen, believe me, I've done this with White Kings many times. Only if it's super, only if it's super important. When you really need it to when you really need him to block that charge, you're going to be greatly regretting having, having spent 40 points on your hero instead of 90 points on a legit chaff unit when he fluffs his attacks and then they just steamroll right over him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just left he's yeah. just left behind the unit going, "Oh, what the hell? How did I survive this again?" Yeah. <laughs> Goes back to drinking. Yep, he's a pelican. Uh, but funnily enough, that hero on Pegasus is one of the better units in this game. He really is. He's he's he isn't the Pegasus. The is. Pegasus is. That's true. I suppose <laughs> <laughs> the Pegasus should be inspiring. He should be. In, he should have inspiring horses. Horses yeah. only. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's enough on the hero. Is it? <laughs> Ah, uh, it feels like we should talk more about it, but it's depressing, so let's move on. Alright, so the next up we've got the assassin, the human assassin, uh, who is speed 6, so faster than a normal human. He is quick on uh, his melee, feet. He is quick on his feet. Uh, melee 3+, plus, range 4+, plus, defense 4+, plus, no unit strength naturally, because uh, he's an individual. Uh, attacks 5 up, the nerve is 10-12, with 80 points as his cost. Mm. Lots and lots of special rules, which makes him up to that 80 points. So, crushing strength 1, he's got duelist, he's individual, he's stealthy, he's vicious. He's got throwing daggers that are 12-inch piercing ones. And he, too, like Hero Hero the Hero, has indomitable will for 5 points. Mm. I mean, I guess that's where the inspiring comes in. He inspires himself if you pay for it. Yeah, I suppose so, which is okay. It's actually... I'd, I'd pay for it. It's 5 points. Um... But he he does. What's interesting about this guy is he he's a very easy comparison to the Ratkin assassin and the Twilightkin yeah. assassin, um, so who who both are interestingly he has an extra attack the human to compared with the the super elf or whatever which is a bit weird. So he's got five attacks instead of four, which they generally have. Um, they all of those all of those units have duelist, individual, stealthy, crushing one. And they all have vicious, in fact, believe it or not. So they all have like identical rules there, and they all have twelve-inch range piercing one shots. Um, the main yeah. difference here is, unlike the Twilightkin and Ratkin equivalent, he does not have scout, so he can't uh, move head, move up at the start of the mm-hmm. game, and then potentially get those turn one charges. Are the speed the same? Y- no, the no, no, the other two are seven, no. so he goes down one Sevens, speed as well. Yeah. Um, and of course the. The, there's a few other differences, like the Twilight King guy has a has a elite as well, uh, and mm. blah blah blah. But basically, they fulfil that similar role of like 
hovering around chucking sharp stuff at things and then hoping to get the opportunity to charge a individual that isn't particularly character, yeah. powerful. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, because of that duelist. Because they have so few attacks. They've deliberately kept these assassin's attacks down to four and in this guy's case, five. He's actually better, noticeably better, at killing wizards and things like that than the other assassins are because mm. of that extra attack. Because he goes up to ten attacks mm. against a wizard or something on threes to hit piercing uh, crushing strength one he's got a very good chance of going through an unhurt individual while as the other assassins let me tell you from significant experience of charging (laughs) assassins into individuals doing exactly what assassins like literally doing what it says on the tin (laughs) how frequently they they fluff their rolls because they just don't have that many attacks or they do five damage or something but then just roll a bad nerve roll and you don't get them and you're like damn come on man you had one job (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wings of the Honey Maze, awesome. Yep. Makes them a bit more expensive, but then it makes them much more useful. Absolutely. Going down to Defense 3 is a bit of a bummer, but it does make him more vulnerable to mainly shooting, because if he gets charged, he's in trouble anyway. But he's stealthy. But yeah, he's stealthy, and he's individual, and he's if he's hiding around in forests and stuff, they've got uh, an awful lot of negatives to hit him. You're giving him the indomitable will? Yeah, I think so. Five points? Yeah. If he's Why out, not he's probably going to be out by themselves, so probably a good idea. If you if you need to shave five mm. points at the end, I'd take it off him. I don't think it's really a deal breaker, but mm. might as well. And how many assassins are we taking? One. Precisely one is the correct <laughs> number. Um, with the Wings of the Honey Maze, what he can do is threaten war machines, which he yep. realistically can't with just speed six on foot. Um, without the scout, the scout is a downer for him versus the other assassins. But what I haven't mentioned is that he's like 20 points plus cheaper than the other ones, uh, mm. which is pretty nice. So for only 120 points, with the, is it 40 for the wings? Or 45? Yeah, yep. 40, yeah. So 120 40. or 125 with Indomitable Will. Um, I think that's the way to take him for me uh, because he just becomes such a more interesting threat that your opponent has to think about, especially if you've got a few other flies flapping about bothering people because in a pinch you can even go in with a unit of knights or go in with a general on wing beast or something and just add a few extra attacks to a combat he can also Mm. easily fly behind a unit and start flinging throwing daggers at them and just make your opponent have to think about it Um, he's good against sort of almost any army without just like mass defense five if they've got some little cheap supporting units that he can threaten or war machines or whatever um really tasty little unit for his price point just make sure if you're going to combo charge with something else to try and take take it out make sure make sure it's going to be taken out because otherwise the counter charge they'll be charging the assassin and overrunning into the other unit that's helping indeed that does that has happened to me quite a few times with these kinds of units is i'll fluff the charge and then yeah and then they basically get him for free although with 10 12 nerve especially if you've popped your indomitable will which you possibly haven't done because you need to have the foresight to do it you can do it mm. you can do it at any time in your turn can't you so you can do it yep. at the end of the turn you can like find out that you've fluffed the charge and then do it uh in which case that could be a smart move and then your opponent's like well do i charge the assassin and he is inspired depends on the unit of course but at least there's a chance mm. that <laughs> they won't go through him then yeah he's a cool little unit mm. okay seriously consider the wings right. yes yeah just for any assassin character really mm. but anyway mm. Mm. Let's move on to the Fanatic Instigator. Uh, this is a speed 5 hero, melee 3, defense 4, no range attacks. Six attacks with this fella, fearless 14 for 85 points, and he is crushing strength 1, mighty and wild charge d3 built in. Yep, I love this guy with the wings. 
The only disappointing thing, and I was discussing it with Hugh uh, before the cast, is that he's not inspiring even. Yeah, to it should the... be inspiring Berserker. So you yeah. instigator sort of instigates the other fanatics. You probably have to be a few more. Or maybe he instigates like the militia mob into becoming fanatics. Yeah. <laughs> but what is he instigating? I guess that's what I want to know. Mm, I don't know. Let's Google define instigate and see. <laughs> he's instigating. <laughs> he's inst- rising up against your sanity and. Cutting loose, pull your shirt off. Instigate, bring about or initiate. Yeah, so he's making people go nuts. Well, not really. He's not inspiring at all. But well, he's not inspiring. Way. He's instigating. He's he's egging them on. They don't yeah. look at him. And go, oh yeah, let's re-roll the nerve. They go, oh, let's drop our melee to three and get crushing one. <laughs> Interestingly, <laughs> unlike the other kind of um, fanatic units in the list. He's not that easy to kill because he doesn't have defense three. He does have mm. defense four. And Fearless 14's at, on an 85 point hero is actually good. really good. Yep. That's very hard yep. to remove, especially if he's standing in a forest or something. He does have Mighty, so he can stand. I see a use for this guy. Um, he can Not only can he obviously charge and protect your back lines reasonably nicely against uh, cheap little units of flyers and stuff like that, but he can also run into a forest, which is what I used to do with the old. Um, Plague Priest dudes before they got uh, Stickman Aubergine mm-hmm. Stickman as I'd chuck him in the forest uh, admittedly he had ensnare so he did it even better but just standing in that forest and going yeah come at me you, you're minus one to hit I've got a dash 14 nerve units that you would expect to go through him often don't and then he holds them mm. up for multiple turns and then you're really buffing yeah uh, yes. I think I said it right at the start I love the instigator with the wings yep. I think they're one of the best in this list uh, Definitely the best hunters. war machine hunter. Definitely. Yeah. The uh, fly Just, twenty with the wild charge on top of that. Yeah, it's delicious. And uh, late game, that mighty really comes in, particularly if you can fly twenty inches or. Yeah, I was going to say I much prefer the assassin, but I'm not even sure that I do because yeah, that. I mean, if you're hunting characters, sure, because you get ten attacks yeah. instead of six. But he's not the dash mighty. fourteen is underrated. I think. Uh, I think we're rating it pretty yeah. well. I think that's the only reason we're even considering him compared with the assassin. That's that dashboard. If he was yeah. ten twelve, mm. yeah, or if he was even yeah, dash twelve, no. I'd just never take him over the assassin. But the dash fourteen does give him that extra little bit of staying power. You, it's basically just the hope that when you put him in something in in front of something, they don't go through him in one turn. That's really the difference, isn't it? Um, mm. Well, yeah. as the assassin, instead of getting put in front of something is more like he gets put behind something and then he gets to shoot it every turn and five shots at piercing yeah. one and uh threes to hit and vicious and vicious is um for both ranged and melee by the way that's true, actually yep. pretty good he's range four plus so you know you, you're looking at two two to three hits at pierce one reliably uh it's it's not mm. bad it's really worth considering yeah, it's good yeah every time the fanatic's not charging something uh the assassin could be chucking sharp stuff. That's very true. Yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think Silek's right. Wings, because he's mighty, he's probably the choice over any other for that particular role. Uh, yeah, for that role. Yeah. I think the assassin's probably a bit more versatile. Mm. Uh, the fanatic has one job, pretty much. Kill some hunters and then, and then get late away. game, sort of mighty. Yeah, or add in an extra couple of wounds. Yeah, I, I think I prefer the assassin overall. The one less attack doesn't matter that much. Uh, it, it does matter, but it doesn't matter that much when you consider the, the extra threat of, you know, like if it's a war machine or something, you'll go through it almost as easily, so it doesn't really matter. Against little light things, it doesn't matter It's slightly better at grounding flyers. Slightly better at grounding flyers. 
and that, mm. sh- that shooting really makes the difference. But if, if you've got a lot of forests on your board, the dream of getting that instigator to survive a charge, uh, if he does survive one charge in the game, you'd be very happy you took him over the assassin. So just take, take yeah. to taste, I reckon, whatever you prefer. So next up, we've got the only spellcaster. So we've got the wizard, who is an infantry model with spellcaster level one, uh, speed five, melee five, defense four, no ranged attacks. Uh, it's only got one attack. Nerve is 10-12 for a measly 50 points. Uh, it's only got one special rule, and that is individual. It's out of the box. Spells is fireball six. Comes with a myriad of different options. Mounts on a horse uh, for 25 points. Uh, goes up to speed eight. Or you can chuck him on a pegasus. Uh, naturally loses the individual. Gets the fly and the nimble. Um, and speed 10 uh, for 35 points. And then the spell options are Bane Chant two for 20 points. Heal three for 20 points. Lightning Bolt 3 for 20 points, or you can replace the Fireball 6 for the Lightning Bolt 3. And finally, you can also get Wind Blast 5 for 20 points. So is the hero getting jibbed? Is he getting charged more for the Pegasus? Because that's 50 points to put the hero on the Pegasus, but it's only 35 for the wizard to get one. I know, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mate, hero's getting shafted via all sides so your wizard for is, is only 85 points on the peg just stock standard with yeah. fireball six he's kind of almost yep. better than the hero he's great i was saying the hero is the ultimate chaff unit um for your 90 points but, but five points less get in the five way Five points less he can <laughs> yeah. still get in the way he's got the same fireball. nerve and he's got a fireball oh shit or maybe i was he's wrong. just not doing anything in in melee yep this this guy is amazing um particularly in lots of knights uh, type armies uh, chuck him with bane chant so that's 100 points and he is a bane chanting fireballing or lightning bolting chaff unit mm, mm. Mm. it's great so cheap for what he does there really really solid so cheap. and so versatile look at all those different things he can do he can also just um, stand behind your troops and inspire um, inspire them with the inspiring talisman as well mm-hmm. and just chuck out bane chants in a similar way to the army standard bearer with the loot for much the same mm-hmm. price. If you want to just, if you love that kind of a unit so much and you've got like a really wide infantry line with lots of hordes of pole arms or something like that, um, I could see taking both of those characters rather than sort of your alternatives of taking generals and other on foot dudes to babysit them. Yeah. Uh, it's a great unit. I take two of these guys generally um, purely because, and put them on Pegasus so that they've got unit strength in the late games. So they just buff all the different combats and then late game they just run away. And claim table quarters, claim objectives, etc. I always want to do it, but then never actually do. But what about two mm. on Pegasus with Wind Blast? That's pretty cool. You got Wind Blast 10. I don't think it's enough Wind Blast. Wind Blast 10 is quite a it's lot of Wind Blast. Wind Blast 10, yeah. That's five inches. Something. I think we always find that it's too situational for it to be yeah. effective. Because they have to be in the right position. They have to get it off. And then they have to make sure that there's room for them to be pushed as well. Because mm, they're so mobile, though, you can get into a flank uh, and push them in like an awkward direction or whatever a little bit more easily than you can when you've just got a wind blast on foot kind of dude. You've noticed that a lot of people like to line up their army. So if you're trying to push them in the flank, they're moving an inch, maybe half an inch before they hit another unit. I mean, it makes it more awkward for them to try and pivot. Depends on the circumstance. Like imagine a knight unit is coming, like he's more central, your Pegasus guy, and a knight unit's coming around the the side of a forest on the flank. You move them up, you move the Pegasus up, uh, at such an angle that you can wind blast them and then you just wind blast them behind the forest so they're just like out of the game for a turn mm. like 
you're pretty happy with that scenario. Yeah, I, I guess Windblast itself loses value in armies that don't have Surge. Um, just a little bit. I think that the Windblast combo where you can move something and then Surge in the same phase increases its value. And I think that when you have a look at the Wizard itself, um, the rule of thumb is you don't take more than two spells. Mm. And I think you've got to take your Bane Chant. And I think most of the times you will be taking Lightning Bolt over the Fireball just for the extra range. If you've range. got a bunch of Knights, I think you've got to take the Bane Chant. If you don't have Knights in your army and he's flying around doing his own thing, just occasionally fireballing stuff and getting in the way of stuff and not really having a good target to Bane Chant in the direction that he's looking, because, of course, um, he's not mm. individual, then I could see one of the other spells instead of Bane Chant. But, yeah. Conjuring Staff as well. Got to remember to take yeah, Conjuring yeah. Staff to reroll one of them spell dice. Mm. This makes Bane Chant much more likely to succeed. Definitely helps. It's yeah. definitely at its best with Bane Chant, isn't it? But, yeah, I don't know. I like that item, but still often find that I end up trimming it. It's one of those things, it's like the last few points and you're just a little bit over or whatever and you're like, oh, it's a bit marginal, chop that off. Not much else to say about him, is there? Last dude. No, no, the unique unit. The cap- El Capitain. So he is not a captain. He's not a general. He's not a hero. He is the captain. Uh, there may be other captains, but they're not the captain. That's right. There is exactly one of him, as it says in square brackets. He is... Everyone else is a captain. Indeed. Uh, he's speed 5, <laughs> melee 3+, plus, defense 5+, plus, 5 attacks. So you might uh, find that reminiscent of the general because it is identical to the general. Uh, he's also mm-hmm. got 13, 15 nerves, so one extra pip over the general. He's just that little bit braver, uh, despite the fact that he is, in fact, a captain, not a general, whatever. Oh, but Sorry, he's not a captain. He's the captain. The cap- that's the point of difference. 120 there. bangers for this bloke. Um, he is on foot as well. So that is an expensive uh, on foot infantry fighting model for uh, Kingdoms of Men, given how cheap all the others are. But then he's got yeah, the obligatory crush one individual. He does have mighty. So at the moment he's looking like a, just a very expensive general, so not, not loving it. But then he's got uh, very inspiring, of course. And he has rallying one, which is awesome. Uh, he's also got Master Tactician. So this is sort of what you're paying, I'd say, about 25 points for roughly, maybe 20, um, which is you can redeploy D3 of your own units after deployment is finished, but before scout moves are made. So that's a pretty sweet ability. Can be handy depending on the uh, army build-up. Yeah, mm. you can play for it, you can plan for it. So I think the way to use that ability, forget that it's D3, put, you know, do a refused flank kind of maneuver with it a lot of the time, like or leave a flank weak that your opponent thinks is weak or whatever, and plan to redeploy one unit because you you have you, yeah. you get to redeploy one every time. Sometimes you'll get two. Redeploy that knight horde. That's it. Redeploy that knight horde or knight regiment. It might be or a giant or something. Maybe even a uh, maybe even a war machine if you've got it. If you yeah. put a war machine far forward and your opponent's like, oh yeah, I can put a few units to take that out or whatever, and then you just redeploy it. Or even if they kind of move some tasty targets out of the line of sight mm-hmm. of a war machine because they're afraid That's of it. it. Just plan to do it once. Um, and it, yeah. that can be a really, really valuable thing. It is significantly better than like a scrying gem equivalent, um, which costs a reasonable amount of points and makes your opponent deploy some extra units, even though that is a useful uh, deployment advantage as well. If you plan for this and you can catch your opponent with his pants down it's going to be well worth its points every single time that, that you manage mm-hmm. to do that if you don't and it just has sort of no real marginal effect or the deployment falls in such a way that you're like oh yeah i can just shuff, shuffle this unit over a bit and it doesn't really matter 
then uh, yeah, then you've sort of wasted your points, and you might as well have taken just a army standard bearer with a loot or something and saved yourself a few points. He's he's yeah, he's quite expensive, but I find he's better in a lower pointer game because you have more room to move. Oh yeah, because your whole army would be deployed at that point. It's it's not all about that redeploy as well. Like rallying one is pretty damn good. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, it's thirty five points for a horse. I mean, one hundred and fifty five, but it makes sure that you can move that rallying where you need it. But if you're just going to sit behind a, a, the line, then don't worry about the horse. Yeah, the rallying one is is what you pay for, I think, with all the hordes. So they go up to like mid twenties uh, for some of their waivers and nerves. So that's that's what you pay for, I think. Mm. What we'll do is okay. One more break, and when we come back, we'll discuss potential allies and run through some example lists. Upon the Ardorvikian plain, new nations are being born. From the Dragon's Teeth Mountains in the south to the edge of the Mammoth Steppes, hundreds of small kingdoms, independent townsteads, isolated keeps, and fortified manses have been established and lost to ruin, each one alternately warring and allying with its neighbors. The vast majority are ruled by humans, although there are realms of all kinds to be found, from small dwarf hordes to, albeit rarely, minor elf princedoms, and even in isolated forests or bleak moorlands, the lairs of vampires. After 12 centuries, some are only now showing true promise, absorbing others through treaty or conflict and becoming players on the grander stage. Okay, let's get this finished. Allies. Are we taking allies with the kingdoms of Myth? I don't think they really need it. I think if you're going to take anything, you'd be looking at uh, Butchers. Obviously, they're the flavor of the month at the moment. Um, just to get you that extra crushing strength. Um, they're not dependent on leadership either, so it's yeah, a pretty the good stories. inclusion. That's right, because I don't think we mentioned but the kingdoms of men are neutral, so they can take anyone as allies. Yeah, I don't know. Something really high defense or something that's really high crushing um, are the main things that they're kind of lacking a little bit. So, yeah, could see the good old stone golems mm. that you often... Recommend they're not irregular, aren't they? No. Yeah, I kind of turn to um, thematic uh, allies like dwarves or elves for some extra mm -hmm. shooting or defense. Mm -hmm. A bit of uh, crack there. Yeah, that makes sense. But nah, just take just take your mans. Your mans are versatile. You got you want. Yeah, they're versatile enough that you don't need it. You got lots of. You want lots of boots on the ground. You want lots of uh, glorious men fighting off the the hor horrors and tribulations of the evil fantasy world. That's kind of the appeal of being, you know, the common man, I think. You don't need to ally in a bunch of fancy-pantsy nonsense. You're probably not taking Kingdoms of Men... You're probably not building a Kingdoms of Men army because you're trying to be, like, the most powerful army in the universe or anything. You're not, you're not trying to, like, cheese it up. So just forget about allies. And, mm -hmm. Unless you, like you say, Benson, you want to sort of... You know, you've got some fluff reason or whatever. Maybe your Kingdoms of Men are nearby some dwarf holds and they're their ally friends or, or elves like take allies for more of those sort of fluffy fun reasons rather than because you're trying to or if they're hold. jerks take some force of the of the abyss because they can do that yeah i guess so you could like <laughs> if you've got an evil man's themed army that could be cool as well hmm all right then then how about we go through some lists um overall thoughts before i just talk to the list on kingdoms of men and the way that i sort of see them as, as a, you know, my philosophy for playing them, I guess, is which okay. I suppose is similar to my philosophy. Maybe it's just my play style more of like a boots in the ground kind of play style. But I think like if you're taking 
Kingdoms of Men, you're not doing it for units like Footguard for me, or even necessarily Knights, even though I'm sure you guys have units of both of them in your armies. Um, or maybe mm-hmm. even the Berserker guys. Like that's or other armies do those kinds of things better, in my opinion. So I feel like for Kingdoms of Men you want boots on the ground galore. They do hordes of infantry just amassed all over the shop better than pretty much any other army. And they have a lot of like interesting, useful support units that go really well with that and making that um, the backbone of your army. So I, f- I feel like that's, for me, the way I envision Kingdoms of Men playing. Well, then go through your army. Okay. Tell, us, tell us about it. Alrighty, I've got um, a Bowman Troop and a Militia Mob Regiment. What, what point list is this? This is 2250, which is a bit of a weird points level, okay. but um, I played this actually in a recent... Uh, tabletop simulator tournament so uh, we wanted to try 2250 out it's actually the first time i've ever played that particular points level uh so mm. a bit different but whatever i know the americans love it so you got um <laughs> a trooper bowman a militia mob regiment so you two units to hold your backline objectives and stuff as we spoke about just sort of took one of each i guess uh you got a pole arms regiment um two pole arms hordes a spear phalanx horde so heaps of Boots on the ground. That's a lot of boots already. You've got one defensive mm-hmm. one and the other two are more like able to punch back a bit with the pole arms mm. uh, hanging out there. And I actually haven't gone for Indomitable Will on anyone, uh, which is probably a not necessarily the best choice. I wonder if it's worth taking out that pole arms regiment, removing it, and then just like in hindsight looking back through this list and then putting like heaps of Indomitable Will on a bunch of different dudes. But I've sort of yeah. gone for like minimum on the magic items and on the uh, upgrades and stuff to just get more hot, warm mans. Um, <laughs> I got a unit of knights with the potion of caterpillar, regiment of those guys. Um, we've got a ballista, a wild ballista pick. So that that could also be your unit that or okay. the or the militia mob or the bowman. Any of these sort of cheap units you could potentially choose to remove one of them to add upgrades sort of all over the joint because this is almost completely upgrade free this army um Mm. i've then got a mammoth and a giant so again one of each Mm. i've got an assassin with the wings a hero on pegasus uh who does have a wild indomitable will um pick i guess uh Oh, sorry, he doesn't. I've just t- changed it. He doesn't have that anymore. I've also got two generals <laughs> on winged beasts, uh, one of which has the blade of slashing because yep. that seemed better <laughs> as I'm reading this out than the indomitable will on the Pegasus. So I've got three flying, four flying heroes, actually. One of them's um, more for killing war machines and stuff in the form of the assassin or little heroes. Uh, and one of them's more chaffy in the form of the, the hero, which in hindsight, having been through, talking through the armies with you guys, I'd probably change him to a wizard. Because I think that's probably a bit yeah. better, uh, and I have got the captain. So I had once I took all these winged heroes that are really useful for a range of different things and threatening. And the idea is in this army, you go in, you combo charge in some way. Either use your hordes of um, pole arms or your monsters plus a misc general because the generals are just flapping about all over the shop, or a unit of knights. And basically, you just you have so many threats. So it's so threat dense and it's just so many boots on the ground, but you still somehow have enough points to have like four big threatening monsters in the in the list. So yeah, it's a it's not shooty at all. It's just an almost it's got like 
a smattering of tiny bow shots. But for the most part, it's uh, melee get up in your face and just cause you a bunch of grief kind of uh, human army. Uh, and just because I had mm. to have one, I had a few points left over to, I needed someone to hang out back with all those boots on the ground to keep them inspired when the generals flap off and do something else. I felt like the captain was a good choice for that because um, the captain can mm. rally my relatively low defense um, bros in the middle, um, either the pole arms or the, the spear phalanx. And then he can also get that redeploy happening. So I can sort of can do... I, I'm thinking of that mainly for either the um, knights. So I can put them on one flank and then chuck them on the other or something. Or if I'm comfortable with yep. their deployment, I can do it with the generals. So I can do generals, one on each flank, and then do a bit of a bait and switch and put both generals on the same flank and overload a flank. Or I can you know, put them both together and then when they put a bunch of counter units out, I can uh, flap one of the generals off someplace else. So yeah, that's the sort of thoughts behind the did list. You, did you mount? Did you mount the captain? I didn't mount the captain. I felt like he didn't need it in this particular list because his role was to wander behind the infantry. Because I didn't have that. I, yep. I wonder if the I'm sort of paying a fair few gimmick points in his. He's probably the flexier slots. If you were trying to be really competitive, taking him out for a loot of insatiable banner bro, and uh, getting a cheeky like almost fifty points there to spend on various upgrades across your army like Indomitable Will and this and that might might be mm, a better yeah. option, especially if you're playing a lot of high-tier opponents and you think your redeploy really isn't going to cut the mustard. But I felt like... Um, I, I suppose you could argue that I basically cut Indomitable Will out of the list in exchange for uh, having this uh, cheeky redeploy rallying bro, which is probably not the coolest, but yep. n- not the most <laughs> effective, but I, I just like him. He's really cool. So how many total units and what's your unit strength? I have a total unit strength of 26, Mm -hmm. um, which is not too shabby at 2250, pretty high. I have 15 drops. So I got 15 drops, 26 unit strength, and then still managed to fit in um, four Inspirers and four Monsters. Mm. So Mm. yeah, that's why... like. You go through that list and you think, oh, why haven't you given, like, as we talk through it, why haven't you given Indomitable Will here? Why haven't you given, like, a magic item there or whatever? But when you actually, you know, see it all together, all that's up. just, it's sort of got a bit of everything uh, for, for you know, quite a lot of dudes. Yeah. I don't think I've, oh, yeah, I've gone a bit to upgrade heavy on my list. That's good. It'll be interesting to see a different kind of list. So what does yours look like? Yeah. Well, what I've taken is... Um, a shield wall troop with Indomitable Will because I think that's a fantastic chap unit and they're sitting in front of my horde of uh, foot guard. They have Brew of Sharpness, Indomitable Will and exchange their uh, defense for crushing. So hitting on two is crushing one with 25 attacks. Uh, They're going to be flanked by a horde of fanatics and two troops of fanatics. So the three troops there should be enough to deter anything getting into the hordes that will be able to take them off in one hit. Cool. Um, so it can punch back and kill them. Uh, then I've got another section of knights. There's a horde of those guys with the caterpillar pot, Indomitable Will, a troop of mounted sergeants for their particular chaff to get in the way. Two regiments of mounted scouts with upgraded black powder weapons. That's what I was talking about before, that little kind of blob yep. there of the knights and the chaff and the shoot. 
And to help them out, I've got the general on winged beast. I had 15 points, so I've given them Trickster's Wand. Hex doesn't do anything, so it's probably wasted points. And then, so he'll be inspiring them and then rushing out to do whatever the flying dude does. Um, Standard Bearer with loot. So I got my bard there. He inspires the entirety of my foot troops there. Should be easy enough with the very inspiring. And that Bane Chant to <laughs> knock the crushing one up to crushing two. Nice. So it should mm. be good. And then I've got a Pegasus wizard. He's got Bane Chant Conjurer's staff to uh, help out in case it gets a bit nasty in that foot fight. Mm -hmm. So I've got two units with crushing two. Um, he's also got lightning bolt, not fireball, so he can also zap a couple of things from distance. Uh, and on the Pegasus for the um, unit strength. Yeah, nice one. So this is a 2,000 point list, this one, so it's a little bit lower. I've got 12 drops and 22 unit strength, but I think I've got two nice chunky sections of army mm -hmm. and enough ranged support to kind of knock back anything that uh, feels like it's going to have free reign in the, the back or try and chuck up. A couple up. of Bane Chants in there would go a long way, I reckon, um, in that kind of yeah, army. Mm, that, sure. That's something that I completely forewent in my army, which is which might seem really weak on the surface of it. And actually part of what motivated me to take so many pole arms because um, I didn't have any Bane Chant really available. But then when you've got four monsters, you've got enough crushing, hopefully, to go around to, to deal with that kind of stuff. Well, it's, yeah. Your, yours, maybe you can go through it a little bit easier with like a really offensive, nasty kind of hammer style army. Maybe. Yeah, but I'm hoping those yeah. troops are enough of a speed bump mm -hmm. and then I've got two very punchy, well, three very punchy hordes of things and enough shooting mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. my idea. Still based anyway. around the three hordes um, and that is a good way to run Kingdoms of Men, I reckon. Heaps of hordes, um, heaps of flyers, <laughs> heaps of ways to yeah. just uh, yeah block up the middle. And if of you're team. taking lots of troops, you kind of need something to unlock. That's right. And yep. with all the characters, yeah, you kind of have to take yeah it. i found with all the kingdoms of men fluffing about i did with army lists um i found that you want a lot of heroes because those heroes we went through them and we we took the piss out of some of them but there are they're really good generally <laughs> like they because they're so cheap mm, for um, their price and mm -hmm. yeah. again like they'd make such good chaff units for their for their price those heroes are fantastic in kingdoms of men and of course the for me anyway the hero the general on winged beast is such an important part of the army uh at least in the style of army that I took that was very offensive. So mm. so you, you really do kind of hurt for those unlocks because hordes are all well and good. They'll unlock your monsters and your war machines happily, but then you end up wanting a couple of regiments in there as well just so you can get enough hero unlocks. Because yeah. you want like four, yep. five, six heroes if you can. Mm. All right, so like what do we got? You're the... Uh premier kingdoms of men yeah. player in it's worth, between it's worth the saying that Salix played more kingdoms of men than uh, Ben Samurai I think I've played yep. about maybe f only five or six games with them against them quite a few times um, but mm, Salix you've yeah. probably got uh, quite a bit more than that under your belt don't you yep yeah I played in two tournaments and a fair bit back in second early second edition as well but I went with a 2000 point list I've started off similar to Bensom so I've gone with two hordes of foot guard, both replacing their shields with two-handed weapons to give them that extra crushing one. Um, I've given them both indomitable will. And for foot guard horde number one, I've given them the brew of strength, so they now go up to crushing strength two. Mm -hmm. 
and I've given Blessing of the Gods, so Elite on the other ones, mm-hmm. just to help them out with their hits. Uh, I've then copied a little bit of Hughes lifts there with two uh, regiments of militia mobs. Um, mm-hmm. So I loved the 70-point unit strength twos, just so handy. Um, I've gone against the trend and went with two troops of uh, pistols, or sorry, handguns, mm-hmm. um, just to have that little bit of piercing two at range, um, just a handy pip damage there. I've then gone with uh, two regiments of knights with the usual combos there. So Jesse's boots and Makwa is back out of his shop and has given me the caterpillar. Uh, both of those two units with Indomitable Will, I've found that uh, they waver too early often with um, in critical turns with that 14 nerve. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you can't take two regiments of knights without two troops of mounted sergeants. Um, so I've gone with two of those just to help me out, shut down some flyers, make sure that my knights don't get chaffed up. Uh, then I've gone, unfortunately, I couldn't afford the winged beast. So I've gone with two generals on Pegasus, one with the blade of slashing uh, that will sort of stick around with the, the body of my groups. And the other one with the brew of haste, which is more of the war machine hunter or a bit more throwaway, I guess, yep. um, compared to the others. I've naturally gone with the army standard bearer that is our bard with the loot, um, who's going to stick with everyone else as well. And my flying wizard with the conjure staff with Bane Chant 2 and uh, just replacing his fireball with lightning bolt. Okay, so it's um, just up, for, yep. Yeah, so unit strength 1 nice. uh, on that flyer is is Three terrific. Pegasus, then. Yep, three flying unit strength 1 units, Legit. which generally, if played well, um, survive till the very end and they can pull a, a game back. Even if you've been mm-hmm. smashed, they can pull a game back so it's not a massive loss. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so that's yep, twenty-five unit strength at two thousand points and fourteen drops. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's a lot of drops. Actually, ended up with more than it's I because of their militias, you, you, militia mobs. Yeah, I find that you either go with a lot of kingdoms of men army. They can look a little different in that if you either go with a regiment of knights, a single regiment. I suppose you could go none, but we all went for some. You can go with a regiment of knights and just have them as your useful standalone unit. But if you go with two regiments, you really need a fair bit of support for them. So like you've got there, so you've got a couple of mounted sergeants and you've got a couple mm. of heroes to um, support them as well. And they end up becoming like a really critical part of your army because you are investing like a good 450 odd points into those couple of regiments yep. of knights. So I think it's a good way to play it. If you do have two regiments, you need to put those support elements in and commit you know, to the hilt. Yeah, so I've been using the Knights a little bit differently recently on purpose. Um, So just trying to be hyper-aggressive with them. So just picking out the unit that will hurt my army the most and then knowing that they will be sacrificed, but just either taking out a unit or crippling that unit and then using the pip damage that I've got to finish them off. Naturally, don't do it against regen units, Mm -hmm. but um, mixed success with that because the two foot guard hordes that sort of come up slowly behind it all can generally mop up anything else. So they've got such a high nerve and such a good conversion rate to the wounds that they're very hard to take down in two turns, let alone mm. one turn. So um, if you can take out the one thing that'll hurt the foot guard hordes with your knights, that's a, a great sacrifice and you'll win more games. Plus, than if you lose. use Games Workshop great swords to represent your foot guard hordes, uh, they're going to look cool as hell. Uh, although you, you will <laughs> be... You probably need to take a second mortgage out on your house if you want to do that. Yes. Yes. That's the downside. (laughs) 
that's it. Yep. That brings us to the end of the Kingdoms of Men Army review. I think Kingdoms of Men are a bit underrated, boys. I'm going to throw that out there. I think people think they have a bit of a reputation, probably depends on your area of the world or whatever, of being one of the worst mm. armies in Kings of War, like one of the weakest. Um, no, they're But decent. I think they're middle of the pack. I think they're a little underrated. I yep, certainly yep. don't think that they're like challenging like Abyssal Dwarfs, uh, Auto Wound Dwarfs, as they're also known. Uh, for like the top <laughs> tier kind of uh, spectrum. But I think they can win against any army and they can do, you know, they can hold down a fort really well. They can certainly swarm the table with boots and claim objectives mm. quite nicely, which is really good in an objective-based game that is Kingdoms War. So yeah. I reckon they yeah, It's well balanced good. with nothing that stands out as being overpowered or nothing apart from maybe... Yeah. Chariots <laughs> that, yeah. that are uh, too underpowered. Yeah. The biggest strength is heaps of cheap flyers <laughs> and uh, heaps of cheap infantry. I think it's their two biggest yeah. strengths. Um, and outside of that, everything's sort of medium. They've got like okay cavalry, okay shooting, okay this, okay that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They're okay. They're okay. Yeah. All right. Let us know if uh, you're wrong or not. And um, I guess we'll get back to you on the next episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. The great alliances of the past may be fading memories. Men are as likely to fight shoulder to shoulder with the elves and dwarves as they are to oppose them, and on many occasions, men have fought on both sides of the battle in these grand alliances. Men, however, most often fight other men, whether through greed or hatred, or honor, or just through misunderstanding. Humans are hot-blooded, not always wise. Their vivacity is a curse as much as it is a blessing. Lifestyle, yes, sir. Hope you realize that the math hammer doesn't work. <laughs> we give the people what they desire. Australian war game and podcast, direct misfire. You don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, we got plenty more. If you're ready, let's go. Stay tuned, that's for sure. Hey.